0: The following program is brought to you by your friends at Podcast One. Welcome to RJ Bell's Dream Preview. Weekly winners from his Wise Guy Roundtable. Broadcasting from the pregame.com studios in Las
1: Vegas. Here is RJ Bell. NFL week six edition with my wise guy roundtable. to my right. Steve Fezzik, the better to my left, Maddie Holt, the bookmaker. I'm RJ Bell. And we've got a jam jam pack show action pack from start to finish. We've got best bets. Obviously every week we got pros versus Joe's. We got one double like both of the boys both like the game. We also have two totals. We've got a sharp money game and so much more, so much more. First, guys, I want to tell you a little bit about the Dream Preview, how things have been going. I mean, this is literally, I've been in this business over 10 years. I've been in Vegas almost 20. I've never seen anything at pregame.com that we've done have the amount of passion and interest that the dream preview, and especially the NFL edition, quite frankly, more, uh, the college edition, the response has been great for the NFL. It's been, um, I mean, uh, truly unbelievable. Let me give you an example. A couple weeks ago, two weeks ago, so let's call last week, and then two weeks before that, is the listenership on the show was comparable to CNN in the middle of an afternoon. So flip on CNN on a Thursday randomly and about the same amount of people was watching CNN that were listened to the dream preview NFL edition in two weeks. So that leads to last week because we're doing this week. Now we've doubled, we've doubled the listenership. So, I mean, we can think about that a couple of ways. Doubling the listenership is amazing, Being double CNN is amazing. And I'll be candid, guys. We're proud, but it's because of you, right? This is spreading because of you. You like it and you're sharing it. And what I want to do is personally thank you guys for that and tell you please keep it up because I can promise you the amount of time we're spending prepping, the money we spend on equipment, all the expenses associated with this show have to make sense. Financially, as a business. And the more listeners we have, the more money we're able to put into this, baby. And the way that you're supporting us, I mean, the sky is the limit. I really, really want to thank you. We're super excited. And hopefully, it's just the beginning. All right, guys, let's get to it. First game we've got Fezic versus the world. This is where Fez has his power ratings best in the business, one to 32 up at the site every Wednesday. We're taping here on Wednesday afternoon now. And Matty Holt gets a cherry pick. The bookmaker, dastardly bookmaker, gets to cherry pick one he disagrees with, Matty. So I'm going to go this week with the New York
2: Jets uh, being the same exact power rating as the Cleveland Browns when we obviously know this can't be true because they just played each other last week. And the prior to last week, Fez said, the Jets were one and a half points better than the Browns. That made sense. According to the line last week, jets, a one and a half point closing favorite on the road at Cleveland meant according to the odds of the game, basically the jets were three and a half, maybe four points better than the jets. And oh yeah, they went on to whip them as well. So jets win and they're power rated higher. No way they can be the same in the power ratings,
1: my friend. Okay. So, Very compelling point. Let me repeat it because as you were taking off all this stuff, I think you mixed up the teams one time. So the theory is, listen, Jets were at Cleveland and the Jets were favored. Home field's three, so the Jets are clearly better. Uh, Let's keep it that simple. And you said it exactly like that, except I think you just misspoke on one team. So here's what's amazing. In the pre-production meeting, I just shake my head go, boy, Matt, talk about a slam dunk. You got that one. Fez looks up with a smirk and says, oh, I'm going to crush you on this. So I have no idea. I said, save it for the air. I have no idea. Fez is confident. Go. Well, the beauty of this
0: podcast is I got to be ready to rock on Wednesday. That means I've watched every typically snap in every NFL game. I went back and watched that Jets Cleveland game and I watched Cleveland completely dominate the Jets throughout the entire game. They turned it over twice in the red zone driving with Kaiser, who is not an NFL quarterback. You yourself, Matty have said you
1: will never wager on the Browns (laughs) with Kaiser at quarterback. Now Uh, we played that on the Fox show is nationally. When I had my best bet on the Browns, we had you (laughs) saying, I'll never put a dollar. And I said, that was a square opinion. So, so the
0: jets won the turnover battle. The jets were up three, nothing at half. And they made a 56 yard field goal. Cleveland missed two short field goals. That's why the jets were ahead. They held on to when Hogan comes in the second half and the game's played. So
1: let's back up a second. Listeners might be saying, well, wait a minute. Miss field goals are part of the game, but the theory is all these kickers are pretty much the same. And there's a ra- randomness to field goals
0: and not just random, in any given game. And I'm supposed to make the 40 yarders. And I missed my 40 yarders and, and the jets made their 56 yarder at the end of the half. Kaiser is horrendous. They outplayed him with Kaiser. Kaiser's not the quarterback for Cleveland anymore. Now the quarterback is a man named Hogan, who, although he shouldn't be a starting quarterback in the NFL is at least a capable backup. That's a huge upgrade for Cleveland. So that is why Cleveland is a better team this week than they were last week.
1: Well, this is, there's so many things to dig into one. Whenever I hear Hogan, I think about Ric Flair and him going, Hogan, (laughs) I wish I had that sound. All right. Let's two points. One and Maddie, I think you're going to agree with this Fezic's power ratings are not attempting to emulate the consensus opinion or mimic the consent. He's trying to split the results, not split the action. And that's where you can win. Quite frankly, being a contrarian in the NFL, the difference between the bookmaking line and the betting line is probably the biggest because there's more public betters, and thus any public bias, which is going to be accounted for in the bookmaking line. Let's just say, oh, Kansas City's undefeated. Uh, oh, they just covered for me on Monday night, and then they covered on Sunday night, and I love them. Well, if assuming there's a bias there, that's going to be in the bookmaking line. It's not going to be in Fezix Power Ratings. So I think just saying that the market said X, and then you said, well, they won. What's one game, right? So that, yeah, but this wasn't like
2: it was. Hey, it was the Cleveland minus one at home. So this is you know the market could be a point off. You're saying this is four the Jets one and a half on yeah, the road. Yeah, it's four point. Yeah. All
1: right, hold on. So, but but that's a key distinction that doesn't that applies here. But the listeners need to understand. Fezzik's power ratings are not about trying to mimic the market. he's trying to tell the truth as he sees it. Not that other people are hiding the truth; they just don't see it as clearly as Fezzik. That's why he can make a living at it. So, first of all, you you confirm that, right? Is you're not you're trying to find the truth of these teams?
0: Exactly. To summarize, everyone else's power ratings summarize who's been the best team. Not to everyone date. else;
1: there's other bookmakers or other betters that do power ratings. I think yours are better, but what, what you're saying, like Saragin or whatever, computer ratings. Go ahead.
0: Yeah, the computer ratings, much better said. Summarize who's been the best team to date. That's irrelevant. Based on
1: performance so far, how good, uh, based on the field performance, how good can we extrapolate this team is?
0: That's what I do going forward. What they do is they go backwards and say the Chiefs, for instance, have been easily the very much best team. They're four points better than everyone else. Well, they've been four points better. They won't be going forward. But don't
2: you think admittedly you've been low on the Jets all week? Because this isn't the first time, Maddie versus Fez, where we've gone the Jets in this situation. I mean, all season long. You've Jets been are a little three. bit low Jets. On are Jets. three
1: and two, and Fezik has only one team in the league worse than them, the Colts. Yeah, I've been wrong on
0: the Jets. I had them minus 11 to start the season. Now I only have them minus seven. I was clearly wrong on the Jets. But so I was, a
1: four-point four upgrade.
0: But I will make a bold statement. I will lay three to one. That one three to one that at the end of the year, well, not even the end of the year, it three weeks from now, Cleveland will be Maddie. You will have Cleveland rated higher than the Jets.
1: Well, you can't make a bet with someone who's then his assessment's gonna determine the bet. He's right. a fair guy. <laughs> well, you can only be so fair. I'm interested. I'm, let me think about <laughs> it. All right. So, point one, though, is the difference between the what the market tells us and what a, a handicapper might believe. And thus, really, if you think about it, guys. The only time you ever bet a game is when you disagree with the market, right? If the market was God, then we would all be idiots for Lane 110. Most people are losing long-term Lane 110, but hopefully they know it's recreation, which is something we say again and again, right? There's professional batters, and then there's recreational batters, and you never have more money coming out of a movie theater than you had coming in, but you can... I love movies, right? I see like 70 a year in the theater. So, but I know long-term I'm probably or certainly going to lose money going to movies. If you think about sports betting like that, but saying, Hey, the intellectual pursuit is fun. And Hey, who knows in a couple years, or who knows if I end up being a prodigy at this in a couple months, I might start being profitable. As long as you are realistic, that's the key. All right. But there's another, there's a second point to this too. I think that's important that you're saying, which is there's been a change with the Browns. So let's segue into the game and talk about that change. So what we've got here, oh, well, actually we want to, our first game is going to be the Patriots and the Jets. So let's wait and we'll talk about that Browns quarterback change, but just to kind of put a button on it, you think that Hogan's an upgrade, huge upgrade. How many points quantify three? Holy cow.
2: You agree with that, man? No, and I was to be honest, I was actually surprised it wasn't Cody Kessler coming off the bench because I thought Cody Kessler had a lot more upside and potential than Kevin Hogan did. I think Kevin Hogan might bring a little bit more stability and consistency to the team a immediately, but I think long term Cody Kessler had higher upside.
1: So, but for this week is all we're talking about. Hogan replacement. What is the net effect? Why don't Gosh, you think? I mean, of- Kaiser was the worst
2: in the league by far. So anyone, I guess, bring if he's the very worst I'd seen at starting quarterback, bringing in, anyone's got to
1: be an upgrade. All right, so that's a question. How much?
0: And psychological, uh, whenever you get rid of someone who's not qualified, the rest of the team plays harder, especially the first game.
1: Oh, you're so you're saying it's not just playing poorly, almost like with uh, Osweiler last year, right? Is it, And the contract, I think, juiced that too. Exactly. Oh, we're
0: paying this guy $12 million a year, and he's not as good as our backup. Why should I? Bust my butt to
1: play hard. And I I was setting you up to say the ostrich. I thought I thought this would be your one chance this season to talk about the ostrich. The ostrich is with Denver. We'll get to talk about him eventually. (laughs) All right. Well, you think Simeon's gonna get benched? He'll probably get hurt. He got hurt twice last year. All right. So let's go into the Jets game. So the takeaway, a lot of stuff there. But I, I think the takeaway is that it is fascinating. Obviously, you see what the market believes each week. And in this case, the two teams that played each other Fezic's power ratings have a different goal and also teams change. And also, you know, I guess there's a third point we didn't reiterate. You thought the Browns outplayed him. So let me say, ask you this, Fez same game next, you know, somehow we had a time machine and you could have the Browns plus one and a half. Do you make a major bet on it with Hogan? Yeah, no, 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 But you were kind of making the case that the Browns outplayed the jets last oh, year ab- or last week. Yeah,
0: absolutely. They completely, if, 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 if I can tell you, I'm going to make a, a statement here. Maddie did not watch the game, I don't believe. Am I correct? Because by your comments, I don't think you could have.
2: We pretty much watch every NFL game. But well, you
0: didn't watch this one. I mean, twice. I don't like, watch
2: any of them isolated. Yeah. We, had, we have like 20 TVs on, and every game's on one of them. For all, the, list- Center. For all the listeners yeah. out there, if
0: you get a chance to go on NFL Rewind, and you watch it, you'll say, yes, I will bet Cleveland, with even with Kaiser. So
1: watching the game, if you had to grade the performance, let's forget quarterback changes, forget everything. You actually would say that the net effect of that game relatively you like the Browns more than the jets that you would have upgrade, let's say possibly upgraded the Browns a half a point and kept the jets flat. Can can we really say that we're going to say, Hey,
2: what happens if the Cleveland Browns played uh, the Kansas city chiefs and they played one up game and we said, boy, the Kansas city chiefs outplayed the, I mean the Cleveland Browns outplayed the
1: Kansas city chiefs this week. The Browns are better than the chiefs. I mean, we can't just say, no, no, that's true. But I I think, the point we're making here is three weeks ago, the Browns were favored at Indianapolis. So just in the two weeks, and that was my whole rationale with the Browns is in two weeks, they went from being a road favorite. The three worst teams all year and, and, and Fez, you and everyone that I respect has had the 49ers a tear up, even though they haven't won yet. But the three worst teams all year. And now the Giants are moving in. Yeah. Browns, Jets, and Colts, right? It's been some, you know, without luck, obviously, right? Some variation. The idea that one of those three teams was a road favorite, and then two weeks later, they were a home underdog again and playing each of the other two, that's saying a seven-point relative swing, I I just viscerally felt like that was too much, But we're all kind of saying these teams are – I mean, right now, Fez has the Browns seven points worse than an average NFL team, the Jets seven, and the Colts seven and a half. So they're bundled right now with his assessment. I think what he's saying is if the only data point is that game last week, that everyone's saying, oh, look, the Jets came in and won on the road, Fez is saying, no, net-net, relatively, Browns get upgraded based upon that game, even though the scoreboard – was a loser for the Browns. Is that a fair way to say it? Fez?
0: Absolutely. They, they abs, they very clearly outplayed the jets, but it was a great spot for the Browns. So I got to be careful for, with that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But, but most people are saying, Oh, this is a sign the Browns might. I heard talk radio guys saying, you know, this Browns team could be one of the worst teams in the last 10 years. I mean, we've jumped to that all of a sudden. And, and to me, the idea that they were a road favorite three weeks ago means we've probably jumped too fast against the Browns. But the thing that kind of is putting the nail in the coffin is if you can't even beat the jets at home, you must be horrible. And Fez is saying, well, don't overreact to that because really they played relatively better. Now, a lot of new listeners are going to be saying like, wait a minute, they lost. How could they play better? Well, welcome to the professional approach in Vegas. This will be a
0: recurring theme this week because there were several false winners last week in the NFL.
1: And this is something we do in every sport, right? You try to find mispricings, the scoreboard, the standings affect people more than anything when wins and losses are wrong or, or let's just say misleading. That's when there's a chance to find real mispricing. Oh, That's pretty good. Misleading finals gives us a chance for mispricing. Okay. So we are looking though at this jets game and we've got the Patriots on the road favored by nine and a half at New York. Fez, leaner like. I lean to the Jets. And a lot of that
0: Cleveland thing was just that I'm very high in Cleveland versus the marketplace. Amazingly, RJ, despite me having the Jets ranked as one of the bottom teams in the NFL in New England through the roof as what what I got, about number six in the NFL right now, right around there.
1: Yeah, you right now you've got New England actually tied for fourth with Denver.
0: Right, so tied for fourth. I still only have the spread on a neutral site at 10 and a half. And that's a leap of faith. Assuming new England's going to continue to improve. If you look at the raw stats of these teams, two teams, this is amazing. When are you ever going to find a home underdog catching nine and a half? that has not just better stats, but much better stats year to date. We're in week six. It's not week
1: three. Okay. So you like, Oh no, wait, you lean jet. So What keeps you from liking them? And that's a new thing I want to approach is, so we've got the lean and like, right? Lean is a smidge. Ah, it's a half a point. A like is, I like it. You might, you might even be betting the game is what keeps this from a like? Because my gut says new England's going to be able to score points
0: against the jets. I don't think the jets are going to have be effective throwing the ball against new England's bad secondary Their running back Forte is hurt. Their other running back uh, Powell is also hurt. So they have cluster injuries at running back. That's going to curb the, what was a pretty good jet uh, rushing attack.
1: Okay. So do we agree then that the, on new England's defense, it's very easy to quote yards per play. uh, And it's shocking. If you look at the defense right now, new England is giving up 6.9 yards per play which is worse than the NFL league average 5.5. No team in NFL history has ever given up seven or more yards per play throughout a season. So they're, they're historically bad so far. They did obviously look better last Thursday and Mike Lombardi, my go-to with the Pats. He said, listen, I don't know what Belichick can do from Sunday to Thursday. So we might see big problems. Well, we didn't. But in those 10 days, I can promise you this defense is going to get better. So for me, the fact they got better in a couple of days, now we could say Winston or whatever, you know, who knows? Because uh, people are starting to get sour on Jamius. But the fact of the matter is, I think that that I'm, I think there's a real upside with the Pats defense right now.
0: And I think those 10 days, Maddie, what do you think about this? If there's one team that isn't going to get their time off that they, other teams would get, it'd be the Patriots are probably going to work 10 straight days, right?
2: Yeah. And look, this is where I played my total play here. I played this game under and who would have ever thought, you know, on a, on a whole board full of totals, you'd look to take a new England Patriots game this year, and bet the total under, but for a lot of the reasons you just described, I think scoring is going to be low in this game. Historically, new England struggles on offense. First, the jets more so, if not at least as much as any other team, they have trouble going to New York and scoring. And now you have Tom Brady with an injured shoulder. Uh, While they're, while he's going to play this week and that's fine, they're probably going to be a little bit more cautious with Brady and his five-step drops and longer passes than they normally would because they don't want him getting hit a ton. You have to know, like RJ said, that with 10 days of preparation, Bill Belichick's going to have improvements on this defense and they're a little healthier. This was not just a
0: defense playing really badly, but it was also a banged up defense. Pursuant to your under Brady mispractice Tuesday. Normally that wouldn't be a big deal, but he had had four days after the game, So, having that shoulder injury that was disclosed is another reason probably
1: he's going to play. They'll probably run the ball more. And that's interesting. It's run the ball more if you have a big, you know, a 10 point lead where maybe you press it. Also, your passes, you said maybe not the longer drops. And, And to me, that would be at least a reason to look towards the Jets. But I agree with you, Fez. And I think this is the last point on this game. Belichick or no Belichick, the weakness of the Patriots on defense is more the secondary. Do we agree with that? Absolutely. So then the question becomes, can the jets exploit it? And answer is probably no. Pre-game.com. I'm RJ Bell with Matty Holt, the bookmaker, Steve Fezzik, the better. Okay. Game number two. This is our Colin Cowherd versus Steve Fezzik. Fezzik versus the world. Here we are. It's one thing to take on Matty Holt. Now it's, one of the biggest sports media guys in the world. I can tell you something, Fez. Colin's been busting my chops on air and off now is I told him on our podcast, which I do with Colin every Saturday morning. It's released 6 a.m. We tape it on Fridays is his Blazing Five. My wise guys through me break it down every week. We do like 25 minutes, a deep, deep dive or a deep dive. And I told him, check out Fox national radio Saturday night. We're going to spend 10 minutes killing Colin little alliteration there. And then when the Steelers got beat blown out as over a touchdown favorite Colin's texting. he's, and then he leads. Imagine this. He has his Colin was right. Colin was wrong. Well, what was his first one about the Steelers? And on Twitter, people were killing me. So Fez, you came in and said, I am sticking by it. So if Colin has the Steelers out of his top 10. Where do you have the Steelers ranked? I have them ranked number six.
0: Yes, they took a torpedo across the bow, but I'm not going to jump into the life raft. I'm going to bail. The ship's going to be fine. (laughs) Big Ben had his worst game I've ever seen him have. Five interceptions, two run back for touchdowns. He, I refuse to believe, suddenly cannot play effectively in the NFL. We all have bad days. Well, he had the worst day he's ever had. That's the sole reason Pittsburgh was bad. And if he plays that way again, I'll be wrong. I don't think he will play that way.
2: Again. Yeah, I think the two hardest things for us, for me as a bookmaker and you as a better is, are to gauge quarterbacks are when a quarterback's getting to that time when they need to actually not be playing quarterback anymore. And how do you grade them as the older, elder Statesman like the
1: 35 year old that shouldn't be at the bar. Sure.
2: <laughs> <laughs> like Eli Manning. Is Eli Manning and Carson Palmer still, you know, effective NFL quarterbacks? And the other one is injured quarterbacks. How do you judge a quarterback who's supposedly 70% or 65%? Those are really hard things from from both sides of the counter. But with Ben Roethlisberger, it's not that he's too old, but he's been talking about retiring for a while, and this feels like a guy who doesn't necessarily, with all of his heart, want to play football anymore.
1: I think... You know, listen, I'm a big fan of Colin. Um, You know, I've been lucky enough to get to know him a little bit personally. Uh, I think on the air, he's the best. A lot of people don't like his, uh, you know, socioeconomic stuff. You know, like, oh, this guy had this upbringing, and now we're seeing it on the field. I think that's dangerous stuff in, in a PC world, but I think there's obviously some truth to some of it. The question is, You know, I don't know if it's 50% has some truth or 80%, but I'm not sure which 50 or 80 it is. But I think there's something to this, right? Your upbringing affects things. Brady hired a millennial consultant in the off season. Now, who knows? Did he spend 20K on it or 50K? But you know, it wasn't 500 bucks, right? So he spent like as much as a car probably for someone to say, okay, here's the way the millennials think. Here's some of the music there. like he's actually listening to today's music because he wants to relate to the 22 year olds in the locker room. Cause think about that. I mean, Brady's still seeing, you know, he's Brady, right? But he's 40. He's got kids. He's got a supermodel wife. You know, he's got a life that I don't care if you're in the NFL or not, right? The defensive lineman for the Patriots and Brady have very little in common. He's making that effort. Big Ben's not quite 40, but that disparity between a 30, almost 35 year old. And how old is big Ben? Is he 35? Yeah, I think he is 35. Really? Is in a 22 year old, it's a big difference. And my sense is that, that, and again, I'm a Steeler fan, so I, I'm not sure I'm right, but I follow this closely. My sense is, is that Tomlin is a young players coach. And if you actually look at big Ben, the last maybe two years, He's had a couple of comments that seem to throw Tomlin under the bus. And I think the bears game with the national anthem and all that, that was a big part of it where he's after saying, I think we, you know, I wish we had done this another way. Like why say that? Right. Cause you know, and we're talking about it now, and most media outlets were so my sense is he's getting older. He feels a disconnect with the players. It's not only on the field. He feels older, but disconnect with the players generationally big Ben. And also a sense of Tomlin's not his guy that Tomlin's, you know, the, the guys that big Ben feels disconnected to he's their guy, you know, Tomlin is and and to me, I would not be surprised if he retires at the end of this year. And if you're assuming that there's going to be, you know, a big bounce back and, and, and like, you know, in the NFL, typically you get embarrassed, you bounce back. I think that's the case. The next week, I think that's the case unless the team has internal strife. And I'm not sure if there's not internal strife here. Maddie, what's the age? And uh, oh, I thought you were not like you had. It. Yeah,
2: no, I'm still looking for the age right now. But the other problem with this, besides the Ben Roethlisberger thing uh, for me is This defense and, you know, the Jacksonville Jaguars uh, players actually said it best. They said, this is the easiest offense they had to prepare for all year long because the defensive coordinator on video, every single game runs all these crossing patterns over and over and over again. And and the tight end, uh, Jesse James for Pittsburgh came out and made the same complaint. Hey, you know, basically our, our game planning isn't, it's easy to, it's very predictable. And Jacksonville said, we just left guys in the middle. Because we know they're going to run crossing patterns over the middle. We left guys in the middle, and guess what? Ben threw five interceptions. And guess what? All these teams are doing it this year. And this isn't a Pittsburgh offense putting up 30 or 40 on anyone. This is a Pittsburgh offense that a lot of teams around the league say is easier to game plan
1: for than ever before. Now, that, I hadn't heard that. And it makes sense because remember, I was not a big coward guy. You know, I'm such a big Steeler fan that when they won the Super Bowl in 2005, And Cower had one more year left and he knew he was out the door and he let that team go eight and eight the next year. It's like you only get a couple of times a decade. If you're lucky that you're competitive for a Super Bowl. And when you're the defending champions, you don't lose anyone, but the bus who didn't really make a huge difference that last year, you should be making the playoffs the next year. And, and Cower, you know, and again, we can sit and blame Cower uh, or not, right? Maybe it's being unfair, but, you know, so that kind of I have a little lingering problem with that as a fan. And I'm speaking as a fan now, but Cower had him buttoned up. Right. No doubt about that. And also Dick LeBeau was, you know, and again, listen, LeBeau's getting old. Right. We can look at Tennessee and he is a defensive genius. And and 10 years ago, he was actively a, a genius on defense. You know, I like Butler in theory. I don't know enough to know what the corner should press here or you know cover three this or that. But it just strikes me, Tomlin is not an intellectual. Now, I'm not saying he's not smart. You can have a genius IQ and not be an intellectual, or you can literally be below average in intelligence and be an intellectual. Right? It's someone who likes to think and read and deep dive, like right? the Patriots if they have to play in London, they'll go get a PhD to write a 30 page paper about it. Cause Belichick's an intellectual. I'm not saying that, that there isn't a place for the raw, raw and the gut and the emotional that Tomlin does. But listen, a guy like Terry Bradshaw, remember last year saying Tomlin, isn't a great coach. In fact, he goes, I don't even know if he's a good coach. And Bradshaw said, what does he do now? Again, I don't know if there's some internal thing with Pittsburgh, and, but it's like, that's an interesting question, right? He's not active. Go ahead, Fez, jump in. I can't help but thinking we're being a little bit square here because
0: of the order of the Pittsburgh games. They're three and two, three other games on the road. They could be four and one. They lost in overtime against Chicago. If they, if they, this had just been their opener. If they'd lost to Jacksonville
1: in the opener, our narrative would be completely different. But because but that's two out of three weeks, if you, if you lose, As a touchdown favorite, that doesn't happen very often. And we have to say that who would have thought going into that game last week
2: that the Jacksonville Jaguars were averaging more yards per play on offense than the vaunted
0: Pittsburgh Steelers? Fact. Well, the overall stats are fine for the Steelers. On offense? The offense is below average at five. The defense is the lead. The offense
1: right now is 23rd in the NFL yards per play. What's their defense? Third? Third.
0: Yeah. So their defense has been way better than expected. The offense has been way worse. Exactly. And I go back to, I I just can't believe with all those weapons that they got six yards per play for the last three years. And now after five data points, I'm like, Oh, Ben can't throw it anymore.
1: I'll tell you this. I probably said this once or twice on the radio. I thought on paper, Pittsburgh could have the best offense of the last 10 years. Like since that Patriots offense with Randy Moss, maybe I'm missing a team or two, but on, and again, I I'm a big Martavius Bryant guy, at least in theory. I mean, Big Ben in theory is a top five or seven quarterback still. Now the age is a question mark, but let's say if he's, if he didn't get old, he's top five, top seven at worst. Le'Veon Bell's top five at worst. Brown, I think is the best receiver, but he's top five at worst. And as a second receiver, I think Brian is one, you know, certainly top 10 in the league. So an offensive line, I think Pittsburgh's top five, top seven at worst. How in the heck aren't you dominating? Well, Bell didn't play in preseason. He exactly. wasn't, wasn't ready
0: to go the first three.
2: And weeks. also, look, I mean, we get to go. The, the glory of being able to rewatch games now is that you could rewatch an entire game without commercials and fast forwarding. But through. you didn't watch the Browns. We no, watched. but I rewatched Pittsburgh again <laughs> because after the Jacksonville defender said that and a. Pittsburgh offensive player and tight end Jesse James confirmed it. I said, I want to see it. So I went to pro football focus and looked at what they showed. And I went and rewatched the games. And it's true. If you watch all these Pittsburgh games, they run the same exact crossing routes time after time. And and they but did, did that it. just get discovered. No, They did it last year. So what do teams? They so they go, okay, this is what Pittsburgh did last year. This is the video we have. Let's prepare for it. And Pittsburgh is still doing it. You have to game plan each week. And even the Pittsburgh players are saying our
0: game plan is too predictable. Matty is spot on. All those interceptions were crossing patterns. There were three Jaguars around the ball. Big Ben threw eight passes into coverage and completed one to a Pittsburgh player and four to Jaguars.
1: To close on this, here's what I'll say is I am always very cautious like I, th- I I, look on Twitter and I'll say, oh, this is a sharp game. And someone on Twitter will go, no, it's not sharp. And I'll look and I go, who is this? And they get like 30 followers and they you know, are a mechanic, right? So they should have enough self-awareness not to be sure. They could make the case they're right. They could say, I don't think that's sharp, but it, you can't be sure I'm wrong. Let's at least start there. If you're a mechanic is, <laughs> is, or if you're a, a president of a company, right? It's not about being, you know, how much you make a year. It's about, Is this your profession? I'm not a professional football coach. Either are you, Matty Hope, bookmaker. Either are you, Steve Fezzik, batter. I can't really grade how they're doing schematically. Now, when players are talking about you got to take that you know, to mean something, but it's my job to make odds and it's yeah. his job to bet on them.
2: So we but, but have your
1: ability to to assess X's and O's like a coach. I do not but I can, I but I can look at a simple that. thing
2: that say, Hey, the Pittsburgh Steelers aren't changing their offensive game yeah. plan from
1: week to week. Perhaps. And all I'm saying is I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm saying I'm not going to go as far as you guys, but I am going to say that the fact that the Steelers are, seem to be an anti-intellectual organization that as we keep moving away from what Cowher established, I mean, listen, the Steelers haven't made the Super Bowl since 2010. If you have Big Ben, right, you should be making the number
2: one receiver, arguably the number one back, arguably a top 10
1: line. Yeah, I mean, that's more the last year or two, and they did make the championship game, give them credit. But, I mean, you know, it's hard to say, and the Steelers haven't won a Super Bowl since 2008. Now, you can say, oh, Browns haven't won a Super Bowl since whenever. Never. Is But the point I'm making is when you have Big Ben and you have the Steelers organization and you don't make a Super Bowl in all that time, you don't win one in that time, it's hard to exalt Tomlin too much, right? And the, the two he did win was with all of, all, all of uh, Cowher's players. So, hey, listen, I hope for the sake of the Steelers, as a fan, that, 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 that Tomlin does better. I think it's very possible, though, Tomlin's overrated as a coach. Especially We know game management he is. But I think especially now schematically, I'm just not sure because if you're not intellectual yourself, you don't hire an intellectual, right? Any business book you read, people tend to hire the, the personality trait. Like I'm a straight, t- like in, you know, I guess I am on the podcast too. But in business, I've had a lot of people that, that come and go and go, God, RJ's tough. He's tough on me. And I'll, in, you know, when we hire people now, I literally say, listen. If I think you're effing up, you're going to hear it. You're going to hear it with respect, but you're going to hear it with vigor. And, you know, if you can't handle that, you shouldn't be here. And some people don't, you know, they leave and, you know, we'll email them and they'll be like, yeah, I'm probably not interested. And I, it's better to figure that out now. Right. But when someone comes in and they do the same thing, they're a straight talker. I want to hire them because to me, that's my personality. I think that's the right way to do things. Tomlin's not an intellectual. It doesn't strike me that Butler is an intellectual defensive guy. And it doesn't strike me. The OC is necessarily, you know, intellectual. So again, I'm not saying they're not smart. So I, you know, who knows? It's interesting conversation. I I think one of the interesting
2: things about this game that we haven't talked about yet. And we talk about injuries this week that could really impact it. Both sides of the ball here for Kansas city, Justin Houston on Tom, uh, Justin Houston on defense, questionable, Travis Kelsey on offense, questionable. They've been two of the most important players
1: for the Kansas city chiefs all season long. All right, so let's get into the game quickly. And obviously we've done some asides here, and that's what people love. Chiefs, now four and a half. Open three. Open three. I
0: bet I- that three it was gone in twenty seconds.
1: Right. Five times it wasn't gone in twenty it, seconds. The, Where'd you bet it at? I actually bet the Westgate opened at okay. two and a half
0: and at three, and I popped it twice.
1: The Westgate opened at two and a half. Minus twenty. Wow. What was the rationale there? You have to ask them. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I'd be interested to hear if there's an answer to that is, um, but either way, it was, I, the whole internet was shocked Cause when people were busting on me about Colin, what Colin was saying is I said, okay, who's the best team? Oh, the chiefs. Okay. Well, the chiefs are home. What's home field three. Okay. What's the opening line or what's the line currently? You know, when we were talking contemporaneously and it was three, it was like, huh, these are even teams. And we do the lines for the AP, before there's any lines in the world and Fez is one of the main drivers on that and we opened the game at three and a half and when it opened three I'm like wow we were even below but it got to three and a half pretty quick but five dimes had it up for a while
0: and that difference between three and three and a half is obviously enormous it's not just like a normal half point yeah
1: so but we're up to four and a half now Fez leaner like I lean to the Steelers
0: I, I actually like I like the Steelers correction. I like the Steelers. You know, we, we talked a lot
1: about the Steelers. Or you, can, you can pull it back. No, if you I like go them the even more. Um, wait, wait. I just talked for 10 minutes about how I'm concerned about the Steelers. And you like them more. I have similar concerns, but I know they will be
0: completely emotionally invested. And that's so important to handicap the whole team. Embarrassment, RJ, you never want to bet against a team that was publicly embarrassed. But what Maddie was saying, uh, look at these Kansas City injuries. Uh, Barry went out one of their best defenders before the season started. Now they have another defender hurt. There's three of their top four receivers are injured. So they got Tyreek Hill. Remember, Charlie checked down. Alex Smith has been going deep left and right. Well, his number two wide receiver is out. Kelsey, his stud tight end, has is in concussion protocol. And his number three wide receiver is questionable. So the Chiefs have been easily the best team year to date in the NFL. Not with these injuries they aren't. I do agree,
2: and I just said that Justin Houston and Travis Kelsey injuries are, are maybe the two his biggest factors.
1: You, you agree with what? Because you've got to lean on the Chiefs.
2: I, I do. that. He, well, he said that the oh, injuries okay. are, are causing issues, and they are causing me pause. This would have been a like situation on Kansas City for me had it not been for those injuries because Justin Houston, such a disruptive force on the defensive side of the ball, and Travis Kelsey so important to their passing game but I will say this, uh, people have said it to me uh, both on Pittsburgh and against Pittsburgh, that their game planning on the offensive side of the ball might be the most predictable in the league. And I went back and watched it for myself and it looks the same every single week. Seems ineffective. Seems easy to game plan for. I, I don't think big Ben's heart is totally into it right now. I cannot
1: bet on the Pittsburgh Steelers right now, period. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Actually on Adam Carolla, one of my two picks was the chiefs at four, And I I just think we don't know about Big Ben right now. So uh, I agree with Fez. Typically, I don't want to fade a team that got embarrassed. But I'm not sure if that you can only have one emotion at a time, like one intense emotion at a time. You can't laugh and cry. Or Bruce has a great line that says you could you could laugh and cry in a single sound. That was on his first time. That's pretty good. Um, <laughs> Bruce is pretty good. I think is as you're a big Bruce fan. It's funny. We never talk. We've known each other like, you know, very well now for like four years and he had never or over four, he had never talked about Springsteen and, and Bruce came up and he started taking off like innocent the East street shuffle. He's talking about New York city serenade. I mean, deep knowledge. Big Ben, crawl into my ambulance. Your pulse is getting weak. <laughs> Same song for you. I love it. See? I mean, that shocked me. <laughs> but to me, you can have one big emotion at a time. And I think the Steelers' big emotion is, is fighting right now. Is there something going on in there? Because last thing, I mean, I know we've gone long in this. But you said, oh, if the game order was different. How often do you go as a seven-point road favorite and lose? And then, as, and you would think, well, you're not going to lose as a big favor for a while because you're going to be in ta- It's not lose against the Jags, it's get blown out at home against the Jags.
0: What happened to the Patriots twice already this year?
1: They got blown out by whom?
0: Kansas City crushed them. Oh, my God.
2: Oh, wait. New England had the lead in the fourth quarter. Fair enough. enough. Seriously. Against
0: the spread, Kansas City crushed.
2: Any Uh, team who has the
1: lead in the fourth quarter isn't getting blown out. Fair enough. Fair enough. I mean, uh, the case could be made, and it was made after that game, is one completion. Pats probably win that game at a certain point. I think Gronk dropped. I can't remember. I'll retract that statement. All right. Good. That's good. But but the point I'm making is it feels like this is more than one bad game. It feels like it was, and And look, looking back in hindsight, beating the Browns by, what was it, three in week one? That looks bad. They won by four. 14 against the
0: Browns. They had three blowout. The wins. Steelers? Yeah. 24 to 10. You're,
1: you're high as a kite.
0: Am I, am I mixing up my game? Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm, nah, dude. I'm they, just yeah. going <laughs> to. You know what? Let me lower my Steelers down to a lean. No, you're right. No, no, they got them in the back door. Kaiser got them in the back door. They're down 11. Yeah. And they made a three. You're absolutely right. Let's only lean with the Steelers.
1: Then. Yeah. I mean, uh, and I love that, right? The theory is we're here to talk these games out. If the answers are obvious, this could be a short podcast. But I do think looking at that game now, listen, the Ravens are the Ravens, right? So that was a great win, meaning Pittsburgh's going to play them hard. Nobody, no emotion is going to trump that. But otherwise, I don't know. And to your point, look, normally sharp
2: action always comes on a team that's supposed to be good off an embarrassing spot. All the sharp money's on Kansas City early in the week thus far. Sharp players don't want to back the
1: Steelers right now. It's an interesting point. I mean, it did go from three, and like you said, you got— So you played—that's interesting. So you're saying you like Pittsburgh, but you you had a strong feeling this line was going up, and you could then middle it back? Yeah, I knew three was way too low, given that Jacksonville Well, it can't okay be way too to low if we opened up for AP at three and a half. Yeah, well, that's a 20-cent difference. <laughs> yeah.
0: So, And I got minus three at even money, so it was a no-brainer to bet that.
1: So you had minus three at even money? And oh, because of the two I laid nine. two and
0: a half minus 20, and they moved to minus three, even the so, same thing. I bet it again.
1: So you'll likely buy it back. Though, because you're leaning pits. Absolutely. I'll get level on the game. So, just for the official tally out there, though, we've moved it to just the lean, or Fez has just the lean. Okay. Game number three, we call them the public pounder game. This is a game the public's just going hog wild. Up at pregame.com, you can get the bet splits. 90% of the tickets so far on Wednesday on the Packers. Packers favored by three at Minnesota. Fez lean or like I like the
0: Vikings I don't really care who's going to quarterback them I don't think it matters that much
1: healthy so kingdom. let's say this a couple weeks ago Bradford was worth three and a half points and it went to three we're now down at the point it doesn't matter explain
0: yeah because when we tried to play he played the first half and he was so ineffective and he was such a statue he's not mobile to begin with that even the announcers were saying what are they doing they they can't leave him out there he's going to get killed he can't play at all I'm going to assume this is a lingering uh, injury he's had for quite some time. He was out for a couple of weeks. It's not going to be much better. So I don't see any difference between Bradford or Keenum. I have the Vikings, middle of the road, average team, RJ, uh, rating of a zero, but they're home and they have a big home field advantage. And one thing we learned about Green Bay, Green Bay only wins half of their road games. So how in the heck can they be laying three and a half or even three against an average team on the road?
1: That's a great way to think about it because we have a stat from 2012 on Green Bay on the road is below. I think even after the Dallas when they're still below five, I think there were three games below last time I looked. OK, but right around 500 low below. So over the course of all those years, you've played a lot of good teams on the road, a lot of bad teams on the road. It's all going to even out over six plus years. So if you're playing a Vikings team, you have to believe the Vikings are significantly below average in order for them to be a three point home underdog. If a team is barely 500, you know, in theory, a 500 team against a 500 team, uh, an average team. If you're 500 on the road and you're playing an average home team, the line should be pick em, Right? So that, that's a fascinating approach. Matt, what's your leaner
2: like? There's always a big boost by winning the highest profile of the, game of the week, the week prior, especially from the public and the green Bay Packers absolutely did that last week by winning that dramatic shootout, scoring that touchdown with under 30 seconds left to beat the Dallas Cowboys last week on national television. That always buys you a little extra public money. The next week we're seeing it show up on the green Bay Packers already this week. I think case Keenum looked really sharp in the second half of that game. He looked really sharp, blowing out Tampa Bay earlier this year. Um, I think assuming case Keenum's going to play because Bradford doesn't yet is not nowhere near a hundred percent yet. I think this Minnesota Vikings defense is a terror at home and that green Bay injury report just can't get better. Suddenly Jordy Nelson's on the injury report this week, Ty Montgomery still questionable. I think this has
1: to be a spot where you play Minnesota or pass. Very interesting. So lean on Minnesota for Maddie last thing. Cause I want to be clear. If Bradford were a hundred percent, he'd still be three points better than Keenan because Keenan's probably been upgraded a little bit. Two and a half to three. Yes. All right. So what we're saying is the lines out because the bookmakers like Maddie are saying, listen, a hobbled Bradford versus Keenan. There's really no difference. So we can put a line out regardless, but don't mistake that, that there's no difference. If Bradford is a hundred percent there is okay. Next game. Our fourth game. We've got, all right, here's what we're doing guys. We've got, Three games in a row, we're going to go rapid fire because these are games. The first one, it's a double pass. Now, the boys only get one pass a week each, and they both pass the same games. And it shows you, it shows you if a line is right, there's not value and they're not going to force it. In fact, I love that because you could think, oh, let's not both pass this one. No, we're giving you their honest opinion regardless. I'll make it entertaining. You guys just give the honest opinions because you're the true experts out there. Deep, deep insight behind the counter and in front of the counter. But let's do one number one, like the number one factor in the game, just so people will have some nuggets for this. It's Tampa Bay, Arizona, Tampa Bay on the road, favored by two.
0: Number one factor, Carson Palmer's been sacked 17 times. And as we predicted at the beginning of the year, he is regressing week by week. I don't trust him at all. Last week, he threw three balls that should have been intercepted by the Eagles that were dropped. Arizona lost that game 7-34, to RJ. It could have been even worse. I want no part of Arizona.
1: Okay, so what's the theory on pressure? He's older. Why does he get worse? Because he's taking hits. He's getting happy feet. What is it?
0: His O-line cannot protect him. He's unable to scramble like a Russell Wilson, and he's still— But why
1: is that worse now than it was beginning of the year?
2: They don't have David Johnson to take the pressure off him with the run game.
1: Okay. But, but the point you were making, cause you said it on one of the early pods is you think Eric, the Palmer might regress throughout the year. And, and my, my sense if I'm remembering what you said at the time was is as you keep taking those hits, like they always say the film guys, when the quarterback starts looking at his feet, he's done because he's not looking downfield. And when you start feeling that phantom pressure that, you know, the quarterbacks have trouble performing and thus you start taking a lot of hits, you might, I think Palmer start to get the happy feet
0: and be injured. And he, and he still likes to throw the ball deep downfield when he shouldn't. And remember how bad is that Arizona rushing, rushing game? David Johnson was arguably the best running back in the league or tied for it. The backup Johnson has been so bad. They have traded for Adrian Peterson now to be their starting running back. This team has no rushing attack. And
1: that's no upgrade. I mean, there's no, that doesn't move the Vegas needle at all. In fact, it hurts this week, in my
2: opinion, because because they traded Chris Johnson. Now you get a back. If nothing else, Chris Johnson knew the playbook, knew the blocking schemes and had some familiarity with Carson Palmer. Now you bring in a running back. Who's not known to be able to catch the ball. Doesn't know the playbook, no familiarity with the quarterback. It's going to be hard to catch up in one week to all the plays. Adrian Peterson's actually a detriment to this offense this week. That was good.
1: That was good. Now, (laughs) now here's my, in fact, <laughs> that was strong a lot of listeners are probably screaming at their i guess not radio their iphone why are you passing so what is keeping us off the bucks we'll i you, just man.
2: don't trust Jameis winston on the so road you wouldn't
1: play the bucks on the road in any case I mean, no. any reasonable line. No, because I
2: still think Arizona's defense, other than last week, they've kept them in a lot of games this year. So why not look at the under? And I, and I follow this stat on Pro Football Focus, which is passes that should be intercepted but aren't. And Jameis Winston leads the league in passes that should be intercepted that are so bad they should be intercepted but don't actually get intercepted. And we all know you lose the turnover battle, you lose the game. For that reason, I had to pass.
1: Do we look at the under in this game, right? If we trust the uh, Arizona defense, we think Arizona's offense is going to be even worse for a short period of time. Cause of this trade, Winston, we don't trust on the road. We we're getting 45 and a half. Carson
0: Palmer just keeps chucking the ball into traffic though. He doesn't take sacks. That's bad for the under.
1: So didn't, so does Jameis. Yeah, it's interesting. That's it. Cause you think I and T you think lack of offense, but it can lead obviously to scoring. Okay. Next game, we got two games now, no line as of Wednesday. So we're just going to define why there's no line and start with Maddie on these. And Fez, you can counterpunch. Define why there's no line and give some values for the quarterbacks that may or may not play. So Chargers, Raiders, uh, actually CG Technology, the only place in Vegas or is there anywhere offshore? I. this is great. Only place in the world with a line, VP Maddie Holt, So you guys have Raiders.
2: So we have Raiders minus three. And the thinking there, when we put the number was out is right now, according to all the credible injury reports, Derek Carr is going to play. And despite the fact that we hung the number at three and Derek Carr is listed as probable people aren't betting it. So that makes us feel comfortable. Even if Derek Carr is not going to play this lines, not going to ever flip to uh, San Diego being a favorite. So we felt fairly comfortable at three either way. And I'll tell you, we haven't taken sharp action either way in this game. The little bit of action we did take was on the Chargers still, even with Derek Carr probable
1: at Oakland minus three. Fez, so before in pre-production, you had Carr worth about five points.
0: Yeah, he should be worth six. But I will assume if he plays, he's not quite 100%. Maybe he's 85%. So what's 83% of six is five? Close enough. Five-point difference between him and Manuel, who looked terrible, I might add, last game. I do think the car is going to play. So if you like the Chargers, and the book on the Chargers says, hey, play every Charger game, play the road team, right? Because they have no home field advantage. I think it will go up to four when Carr gets announced in. And at that point, I'll probably start leaning to the Chargers.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. Because it's just, and we talk about this often, so I won't belabor the point. It's just like if there's a merger, and if the stock goes to 60, if it goes through 50 before it was announced. If it's a 50% chance, it's going to be at 55. If it's a 90% chance, it's a 59. And then once the merger comes through, the gap closes. So you're saying we've got this line up with a certain assumption about car. And when that becomes a hundred percent, there's going to be a little bit of a move. And so in a way, you're letting people bet if cars going to play here, right? That's right. Is pretty much what the bet is, which I love that kind of bookmaking, right? Because it makes a ton of sense is if you feel like you can quantify A and B, why not put it up? But. Mm. And you know what's amazing about this?
2: We do this all the time. Go look on your screens for all of you who have odd screen that you watch. You'll or pregame.com. Or free pregame.com. Odd yeah, look at pregame.com, free odd and screen. Go. You'll see that we're the only one with that lineup. And what's amazing is people always want a second number somewhere to make them feel good about something. Until someone else puts a number up, it's surprising
1: how little action we'll take on this game. Let's take a little detour and go behind the scenes. In a casino. So, Maddie, you know that you listen, Cantor, CG Technology, which was the new name or is the new name, is you guys came in like gangbusters and were aggressive and, and doing a ton of stuff that I didn't, oh, I loved, quite frankly. And I loved the way that Cantor was bringing up the game of the other books, right? It's like, We've all seen the high school shows where uh, or a movie or whatever. It's like everyone's kind of lackadaisical, and then someone shows up. In fact, Beverly Hills 90210 was that, right? They were all there, Steve Sanders and the crew, but then the Walshs showed up and Topsy Turvy, Dylan McKay, and the whole thing. Yes, I was a fan. So, <laughs> so when you think about what the legacy books are, were thinking then, what they're thinking now is you guys have had to slow down for various reasons with some of the aggressiveness. Why wouldn't they say let's just say they know, forget this game for a minute. Let's just say they know okay, if this quarterback plays, line should be seven. If he doesn't play, the line should be four. And uh, by all accounts, it's a 50-50 percent chance he's going to play. So you do the math because seven's a key number, right? You're going to go somewhere in there. You put that baby up and let people bet on if he's going to play or not because if you're right about that you're going to have a good number regardless you could hedge if you'd, you you know you can try to middle it if you want now i get the fear someone's going to know something they don't and there's going to be a couple limit bets in that get a two or two and a half point edge is that the only thing stopping them i guess so and, and it's well i mean you talk to these guys I mean, and you guys don't always do this either. What's the, What mean, people won't admit most sports book operators is
2: very few of them actually have an odds team that they feel comfortable with being the only number out in the marketplace. And number two is most of them won't set openers. There's only a handful of books in the entire world that will be on the screen with it with a line out that nobody else has. And we happen to be one of them. And we happen to be the only one in Las
1: Vegas. You know, I finished that Scott Shatler book from the Stardust. Uh, He was the guy after Lefty. I think there might have been one person in between. And obviously that was based on or the book and the movie Casino based on Lefty. uh, And De Niro played him ace in the movie is the idea. You know, he is so negative about current bookmakers. He wrote this book like in 11 or 12, but it was like. 100% 100% more pejorative than I ever am. and But the reality is the skill set that it takes to be a, a a bookmaker, someone who's leading the way, you know, the, the sports book manager, whatever you want to call him, the A guy, is so different than knowing the odds, even knowing how to book. I mean, it seems like there's just such a huge element of, uh, you know, managing your staff. There's a huge element of managing the bosses. Like you're managing below, you're man- and I mean, you deal with that. You know, you guys have tried to create an environment of CG technology where there's less bureaucracy, there's more gamble. But you know, even you know, even with that, there's. I mean, what percentage of your job? Are you thinking, hey, should we move this to five? So, and, and yeah, we're going to be the best line for the dog batters, but we don't mind a little bit of dog money here. How much of your time in a week is that? And how much is all the other things that any other job as a manager might have?
2: Uh, there, there's certainly a lot of managing up and down. I mean, uh, if people make mistakes down, they could be regulatory issues, right? I mean, you, you put a, you put a five, an extra zero on a f- five to one or 50 to one and it's 500 to one and we have to honor bets taken and that can be an issue. And so we have to definitely manage down very carefully, make sure those guys were always dealing, especially you guys have how many different locations,
1: Eight, Eight in town. And- Go ahead, Fitzgerald. Gentlemen,
0: yeah, just to use an example in defense of the bookmaker, Rams Colts. Let's go back. Why?
1: Because you're afraid they're not going to let you put your parlay tickets <laughs> in.
0: <laughs> they, uh, they beat the the heck out of me on my parlays this week. <laughs> but um, let's go back to Week One: Rams Colts. All right, if you remember, that was when we didn't know if Andrew Luck was going to go was going to play in that game, and the Colts were laying three at the Rams. I know most places had this game off the board, but on the screen it was still showing three. So there was at least one place in town that had that line at at three. I know of a person who went around to that place that had a 1,000 limit on that game and played about 50 $90 parlays all locked to, it wasn't me, to the Rams catching three. That's the sort of behavior from, from bettors that makes bookmakers not want to deal with putting games up
1: but it's a battle. Right. I mean, if somehow you lo- see, that's the thing I hate. Uh, and I always tell Maddie is I don't like bookmen. I like them as people oftentimes, but I don't like them professionally because they hate losing ever. Okay. So that guy, whatever he won, what percentage was that of any given books handle that day? A small percentage of the overall handle on that game. Yeah, forget the game. I'm talking about the whole day. Well, that was the only
0: volume on their NFL. I mean, that's
1: like saying, hey, it's like if Taco Bell is going to have a two for one taco, but oh, someone can come or like uh, a drink. What happens if someone sat here and drank Mountain Dew for 14 hours? Do you not give unlimited refills because of that person? There's a three hot dog limit at the South Point. Wow. There you go. <laughs> this is what, when Fez is dealing with the books, he he'll tell you the truth about the games, but you're only going to get 50% of his ire with the books. And here's his motto with the books.
2: Peace and love, peace and love. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Little Ringo star there. <laughs> Good stuff, Maddie. Thanks for taking it. And again, obviously this is your job and you're as candid as anyone about this stuff. So we're moving. I think that's enough on. The Raiders and the Chargers, right? All right, Monday night, two court, quarter, both quarterbacks questionable. So, Maddie, you gave some percentages uh, of guessing for uh, Luck and for the Titans QB Mariota.
2: I, I think that Andrew Luck is probably only forty percent to play, but what I hear is health wise, he would have normally been sixty or sixty five percent. You know, uh, if he was actually going to play this week, so I think he's healthier than maybe the the situation. So he's certainly not a hundred percent yet. So, you know, do you rush an Andrew luck back less than a hundred percent on a two and three team? The problem is in the AFC South two and three puts you one game out of first place. You know, there could be some reason for Andrew to luck to come back here after Indianapolis Colts coming off that overtime win of the 49ers. And on the other side of this game, Marcus Mariota is in the exact same boat, Tennessee. Now two and three, one game out of first place behind Jacksonville, who's three and two. Uh, he's a little more likely to play this week, but the problem with Mariota again is it's a hamstring injury. And so much of his effectiveness on offense is predicated on his ability to move his legs. He's not going to be able to do that anywhere near hundred percent this week. So while he might play, you know, you have to come to that decision again. If you're Tennessee, do you want a less than a hundred percent less than effective Marcus Mariota or Matt castle who looked terrible last week? Again, running your offense.
1: It's Like, God, you're good at this. Pretty good at this. Good stuff. All right, Fez, what's your take on the, just looking at the injuries, looking at luck, and I'm interested in your number, is when luck does come back, how much of an upgrade are you giving the coach right now who you have as the worst team in the NFL? Well, I would have upgraded them six and a half points. Hold on a second. Oh, the phone. Oh, the phone. When... (laughs) When we were on Colin Cowherd's preseason podcast, as a courtesy to you, I let you come on <laughs> and no, Colin said, listen, get Fezic. Now it, it was somewhere in between. I appreciate you carrying <laughs> me there for that week. <laughs> no, I was really, I probably was the truth. I wasn't ready. So bring Fez on is you said that Mariota was worth six points.
0: Oh, I was talking about Andrew Luck. I'm sorry. I no, miss- no, 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 no. Yep.
1: You said Mariota was worth yeah, six points on. Right, right. And now you're saying Andrew Luxworth, six and a half versus Brissett, Yes. Ah, okay. So what would you have said Luxworth versus, you know, the, the, the general. Tolzine. Yeah. Tolzine Nine. Okay. So that's intro. All right. And it shows you, it's the old joke, right? Joe Montana, Steve young. How much is Montana worth? I have a point. Right. So
0: but that assumes that luck is going to be effective. I'm assuming he's coming back close to a hundred percent. That is a leap of faith.
2: I could tell you this week, cause we already had to talk about it in the risk room and, and with our odds making team, if Andrew luck was going to come back this week, our adjustment of a less than a hundred percent, Andrew luck compared to 100% a hundred uh, percent. Jacoby percent was going to be 2.5. And if this game would have been at home instead of on the road, it would have been two.
1: say that again.
2: The, the, the adjustment we are going to make in this number.
1: So if luck is announced tomorrow morning, Thursday morning, he's playing and we know we're only getting a
2: 75% luck. Okay. Over a hundred percent healthy Jacoby preset in this game. Cause it's on the road at Tennessee. It's 2.5. Wow.
0: wow. I'll take the over for the, for the limit. I mean, how many times did we have to see like an Aaron Rodgers or, um, or a luck get a replaced by any kind of replacement quarterback and it's always a touchdown.
2: I know, but at this point, what norm, when it's a touchdown is this situation. You're going the opposite way here, and you have to understand that it's a touchdown when Aaron Rodgers has started every game, and then he has to miss one. And then the backup, who you've either never seen or don't trust, comes in. But at this point, Scott Tolzien, we knew wasn't good. We saw him last year. We saw him to start the first game. What we have now is a sample size that says Jacoby Percet is probably only slightly below average. And what is a
0: 75% Andrew Luckworth? Oh, I think he's well below average. I think he's a a capable replacement quarterback. Who's well below average? Brissett. I would say Brissett's like a very bottom tier starting NFL quarterback. I mean, the very like 30th.
1: Maybe today, but, and that's what matters, right? I wouldn't say 30th, but I would say maybe 25th. Sure, 25th, which is like slightly, 16th is average, right? Yeah. Yeah.
0: He's only been with the team for a month. I think that's a huge you know, yeah. leap of faith to say, I mean, how good is he going to be at the end of the I year?
1: mean, he, they look pretty good moving the ball with him. Well, let's look at, well, I guess we don't have the full season or we got the full season numbers. Here's what I'm going to say. Belichick knows more about Brissett than anybody. He, and he traded him. What was the trade? What what, what draft choice did he get? Remember? I forget. I forget. But it wasn't like a first round or a no. second round right. So, but they also have Jimmy Garoppolo. How many fine. can you have? But what I'm saying is, I'm not saying the fact he traded him is a sign that he doesn't like him. The fact he traded him for what he traded him for, meaning not a for, I mean, he traded Matt Castle for a second round pick and it was a second round pick that was like the 34th or 35th in the but draft.
2: Matt Castle had won 11 football games as a
1: starter yeah, first. Yeah. But what I'm saying is, is that in general, the league's able to figure this stuff. I mean, listen, Garoppolo, he hasn't won hardly anything. And what they're saying, three number ones is what the debate is. So, but everyone's saying two number ones would be what it would take. So, I mean, listen, if you're trading three, number ones to, to go up, what did the, uh, for RG three, right? Remember that trade, they came up, they came up, um, uh, what seven spots or something. And it was like, uh, a bunch of, you know, two number ones, wasn't it? Well, and this goes back
0: to any non-quarterback number one is only worth a point to the line. A Miles Garrett's worth one point to the line. A elite quarterback's worth six points.
1: Yeah, 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 which is why I've said for years and people, and I think in a way you almost got to give the Bears credit for this, and Seattle did the same thing. Until you got your quarterback fixed, nothing else really matters. Keep throwing your darts. I, I mean, pick three a draft until you get one. So here's a good example of this
2: that could help kind of – quell my argument for this game. We put up a line on Raiders Chargers. If Derek Carr was the starting quarterback, we all we all knew he's 100% healthy. What is the line on this game? 100% healthy Derek Carr. And We're, what is Derek Carr, in your opinion, worth compared to EJ Manuel? I think he's worth six. So. six. Okay. Well, four Same and a quarter.
0: Oakland minus
2: four and a quarter. So it's only a point and a half difference than what we already have, but you're saying it's more than the two and a half. I'm saying we'd have to move where we are now.
0: Well, San Diego's going to it's going to free fall down to pick them if Manuel plays. I
1: I think I think we're getting a little deep in the weeds, but I I think it's fascinating how a bookmaker thinks about how a better. I mean, you're quite frank. You're not here in this other places. So kudos on that. I here's what I think this answer will wrap up this topic. If luck were 100 percent versus Brissette today. What kind? Of, and again, I know you're kind. Of, you got a team. What What would you say off the cuff? Probably five, five and a half. Okay. And you're saying six, six, six and a half. Yeah. yeah. So uh, it seems like he's valuing the hobbledness more than you know. That 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 luck would be less than a hundred percent. We saw where Bradford last week. You bring in a hobbled
2: quarterback, and sometimes it's worse than having a backup.
0: In. And maybe Maddie's right. Look at Cam Newton. Couldn't play a lick the first couple of weeks when he didn't play in preseason.
1: All right, so let's quickly then go to Mariota. Is it? I I keep hearing it there. Is it Mariota or Mariotta? Mariota, right? Mariota, Mariota. All right, Mariota. Right now, what are we thinking about? And it's back to the idea of being less than one hundred percent and all that. What is Mariotta's <laughs> value? I think his
2: is bigger here because I think Matt castle is not a capable backup is not someone who the team tends to rally around. And and it just looked completely ineffective against the Miami team. That was hapless for, for most of the year prior to last week. Uh, I think Marcus, a hundred percent Marcus Mariota compared to uh, uh, Matt castle is at least six points. Mm. And, but, Obviously. Even though Mariota's numbers have been bad, it, he this offense is predicated on the way he does it, running the football, moving his legs, getting out of the pocket.
1: Uh, you know, Matt Castle is actually a bad fit for this offense the way it's supposed to be run. Fez, what, what's your thoughts on specifically, because it's more actionable for this game, if a limited Mariota comes back?
0: Yeah, it's much less on the six, although I agree with that it could be upwards of six. Mariota hasn't been good all year long. And now with the hamstring injury, and I think RJ, he's going to get rushed back and play when he's more like 65%. It may only be. A so if it, end, if it
1: ends up that luck doesn't play and Mariota does, maybe let this line run up a little bit and look to play the Colts is what it's not. You're saying that if Mariota does play, you think the market will overreact to that? I think it will. If this I could tell you,
2: according to the power, you know, if we looked at power ratings on this game and then we adjusted for injuries and this game, got to seven or higher on Tennessee,
1: I would certainly look to Indy side. Last thing about this game. I thought one of the most confusing games of the year was the Raiders coming in and beating Tennessee on the road so badly because then the Raiders really haven't looked good since even before the car injury. Now we're looking and again, maybe these games with Tennessee are deceiving, but now we're seeing Tennessee not be near as good. I really got to question the rate. We were all kind of eating, uh, You know, we were all saying we were wrong. I get humble pie. Maybe would be the analogy on the Raiders. Cause I was pounding my fist. This is the team of the most regression I had seen in five years, turnover margin, close wins, all the things that lead to that. And then they look good against Tennessee. They win another game. But I mean, right now, with the So in your power ratings, Fez, are you who are you assuming is the Raiders quarterback? I had them at zero with Carr. So middle of the road team
0: with Carr. But that assumes Carr is not
1: 100%. Okay. So Carr 100%, they might be plus two. Wow. They'd be like plus two? No, they'd be plus one. Uh, so right now we're saying that Carr uh, being limited would be about worth a point. So you had Raiders as minus two coming in. So, so even though there's been a, the abs in the flows car healthy right now, the Raiders have been a significant, up, a three point upgrade with car healthy from where you started. them. The,
0: I think I started them at one and a half at the beginning of the year, actually. Well, we've got, we've got
1: it, minus two is what we got. Yeah. So.
0: yeah. Um, but the Raiders, I got to say, I got no confidence of the Raiders because Every data point is an outlier. Think about the Jets game. They crushed the Jets. The Jets are better than than we thought they'd be much better. And that Tennessee game, they look so good. And Washington, a no-show. I have no
1: confidence in my Raider power rating. Pregame.com. Now, guys, we're hitting the exciting home stretch. We've got the double likes. We've got the best bets. We've got the pros versus Joes. we got the smart money. But here is, for a lot of people... Here's one of the favorites. This is Crossfire. The better and the bookmaker, they go head-to-head in this game, and we love it. It's the Detroit Lions and the New Orleans Saints. Maddie Holt, long-time listeners know he's going down with the Lions' ship. Fez is on the Saints. Fez, because I think Maddie's being stubborn here, I'm letting you lead off.
0: Well, I like the Saints. They're coming off a bye, so good situation. Their strength the of schedule's off the charts good. Their opponents have won two-thirds of their games, and that explains why their stats are not overwhelming by any means. But this is really just a fade of the Lions. Matthew Stafford limps off the field. He's been sacked 18 times, so he and Carson Palmer, the most sacked quarterbacks in the NFL. He has two injuries. I don't even know if he's going to play. He'll probably play. But um, he certainly banged up. The Lions have been beyond fortunate, starting with David Johnson getting hurt with Arizona week one. All the Giants wide receivers hurt week two. Uh, Atlanta turned the ball over like crazy week three. Minnesota Bradford's out. Cook is out. Week four, he gets injured. They've caught in every break. The Lions have terrible stats. They can't move the ball on offense. They have an injured quarterback, and their defense is
1: mediocre. That was convincing. Let me give some data, and then we'll... Maddie, you're in trouble. It's like Rocky... Detroit has number the thirtieth best yards per play in the league. They're minus point four. So and by the way, they were minus point four last year. Pretty amazing. So on offense, they're number thirty. On defense, they're number twenty-three, the lines. They're actually minus point eight this year on yards per play differential. Oh, okay, yes. I'm sorry, you're correct. Minus point eight last year was minus .4 and year over year was minus .4 yes thank you Um, now you might think strength of schedule 13 so right in the middle so we can't blame that for the Lions they're plus 8 in turnovers the Jacksonville's plus 10 and they have the same record Buffalo's plus 8 and Detroit's plus 8 so it seems like you got horrible stats last year you had a bunch of close wins this year, you have a bunch of turnovers. It seems like there's a lot of things happening that are obscuring the Lions being a below average team, quite frankly. And boy, oh boy, did the sharp money coming on Carolina last week. Go Maddie. Absolutely. Look, I am certainly my
2: initial analysis of the Detroit Lions was off and this team is not quite as good as I thought. But the one thing that they have done in every single game this year, and it started a lot last year with the continuity in the locker room with this offense, is they have rallied when down. They are in the fourth quarter every game and they rally. And look, they are a blown referee call away from being four and one this season. We're not talking about a team. Oh, my God, they're plus eight turnovers and they're two and three. They are a blown referee referee touchdown call away from being four one they still rallied last week they were getting blown out rallied to get within seven in the fourth quarter against carolina on that game should have beat atlanta if that touchdown doesn't get called back this is a team that rallies late let's assume that matt Hel- that that you know the, our quarterback here is going to be healthy this week because that's all we can assume at this point because they say he's, he's going to be fine I think this is too many points the Saints you talk about teams getting lucky the Saints caught Miami in London off the biggest travel advantage maybe in the history of the NFL they caught Carolina with no cam and got whipped by the mediocre Minnesota Vikings
1: and whipped by the New England Patriots at home so a couple things Stafford when he hurt his hand at the end of last year now maybe a hand injury is different and all that but he you know some Big Ben, when he's hurt, he plays almost as well, if not as well. Some quarterbacks need everything right, you know, dome quarterback. So I don't know. But I'm all if Stafford's banged up, I'm a little more concerned than the average quarterback. One last thing though. When you said oh they're one play away from being four and one, but that one play would have been, it would have just made my point just more extreme, which is this team's got a good record, right? Three and two versus four and one. You know, it's same concept, and their stats don't deserve it. There's these external factors that have a huge element of luck that's allowing them to win games. But if they win that game against the Atlanta Falcons, the line this week is two and a half for three. But it would have been more wrong. Like the, the it line could have been could more be wrong. Play- I
2: wouldn't like Detroit plus two and a yeah. half or plus three, but plus five and a half, which is going to be plus six, give me the money.
1: Well, just to be clear, right now we're grading this crossfire. At five, okay, which is the five, which line. is gonna be six. Fez, uh, one second. He made such an interesting point. Let's just say if the lines were f- uh, four and one, this line would be three, let's say. Just keep it simple. If the line's supposed to be one and a half, and it would be three if they had, oh, I'm sorry. If the line is supposed to be, so Fez, if you like the Saints, you think this line should at least be six and a half. I do. All right. So if the line's supposed to be six and a half, and here it's five. So, hey, he likes it, but it's not a best bet. Well, if the line's three, it would have been off even more if they had won and been four and one. So I don't I think you're right for sure. If they're four and one, this line's different. Doesn't mean this line's right, though. No, I'm not. You know, or that it's to the favor of the lines. And I don't think the line would have been
0: three. I do think or two and a half. I think it would have been three and a half. There would have been an adjustment. let to be fair, if we grade out that Atlanta Detroit game, RJ, you gave a stat on this. When a team is plus three in turnovers and they get a pick six on top of it. Of oh, the history of the NFL, there's something like ninety six and a half percent to win the game straight up. That was a complete aberration that Detroit was lucky enough. They did to win be the game. The referees stole
1: it. They, they, <laughs> the, the, the normalized final score by the stats like thirty four twenty one Atlanta. All right, last question: Peterson being off the Saints, has it hurt him at all week one? Because he, the same logic, he knew the offense and all that. Look, there could
2: any time a player leaves, there's always a couple other guys in the locker room that if they like that guy, they don't feel
0: good about it. So I I can't consider it a positive. I think it's a huge positive. He was a disruptive impact. He was running his mouth. And that other guy, what's it, Calmara? Is there other running back is, um, you know, getting lots of touches and he's the much better back. So addition by subtraction. All
1: right. I'm giving Faz this one. Good analysis, Matt. You got a lot of love this show, but I think you're stubborn. I think you're stubborn. <laughs> but I, hey, listen, if you want to be a winner, you got to be stubborn sometimes. That was crossfire. Good stuff for sure. Game number eight. This is our pros versus Joe's game. We got the Rams. We got the Jags right now. Well, Matty, you're the one that sees all the behind-the-counter numbers. Why don't you break down the pro side, the Joe side, and then you can give us your opinion. Sure. So,
2: right, uh, you know, early in the week, it, the, we tend to take a lot more sharper action. At this point, we have, uh, you know, about 10 times dollars wagered on the Jags over the counter as the Rams on the spread. And on the other side, about uh, almost 12 times as much dollars wagered on the Rams spread on account as the Jags spread on account.
1: And one of the gentlemen who bet. So, t- so just to be clear, account is sharper batters typically. I mean, it's a broad bucket and over-the-counter typically
2: less sharp. Especially in a place like Las Vegas where so much over-the-counter is people staying at a casino or just visiting that casino. I right, Continue. Um, and one of the gentlemen who bet the Rams this week, and I completely agree with his sentiment on why he took the Rams said, if you watched the game last week and he had the Rams last week against Seattle, five trips to the red zone that only equated to three points. That doesn't happen to good offenses almost ever in the NFL. They were actually moving the ball on pace last week against Seattle. They just fell apart in the red zone. Look, it happens to young teams. Sometimes it happened to a young quarterback last week. You know, you can't black back Blake Bortles when this team gets behind. If Jacksonville gets behind the two games where they did this year, they ended up getting blown out in both because he can't throw the ball. He still had less than a hundred yards passing last week in a win. I think the only side you could take here is the Rams. And if ever hits three, the sharps will bury it immediately.
0: Concur completely like the Rams. Uh, sometimes when you stall in the red zone, you say, Hey, this just to be clear, do you lean or do you like, I lean at two and a half. I like it three. Okay. All right. Sometimes you stall in the red zone. You got concerns like the Browns, you know, they're just not a very good offense. The Rams are a good offense. Why did they stall in the red zone? Well, the very first drive is a microcosm of the loss to Seattle RJ on first down. Gurley breaks a big run. They're running back. He's reaching for the pylon for a touchdown. They're going to score for sure. And not only does he get it stripped out of his hands, but it rolls into the pylon. So it's a touchback to the 20. That was the entire game. Play after play after play repeated itself. They just got so unlucky. Meanwhile, although Jacksonville played a fine game against the Steelers, they were extremely fortunate to win by 21. Big Ben was just horrific in that one game. Two inside-out finals that were not indicative of how the game was actually played. The Rams are the better team.
1: Now, again, listeners who are not as well acquainted with the Vegas approach of things, wait a minute, Big Ben being so bad is part of the game. Jags made him that bad. Yeah, there's some merit to that, but there is a significant amount of luck in interceptions. You were talking about uh, pro football folks doing uh, quarterbacks who should have been intercepted, right? It's lucky or unlucky if they drop that ball, and oftentimes the when you have these extreme scores with a lot of turnovers, you can't overreact to them. Um, but but again, when you're over a touchdown favorite, as the Steelers were, you shouldn't allow such vagaries to dictate. Okay. So it seems like it's plain as day pros and Matty Holt and Steve Fezzik on the Rams, both will lean. So let's go back. Just one comment each. Why not a like, why not a like uh, the two and a half number is, is a little bit
2: worrisome. And really, I should have said like, anyway, but, I but feel the like game I the got the game opened up
1: a pick'em. So the fact is two and a half, some of di- these numbers that are opener are fictitious. Yeah. So no, 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 They're not fictitious. Like bet online, right? Online, uh bet online is they'll open for a nickel. And we can sit here and say nickel, you know, five hundred. And that's not a big bet. Th- that's but it's fine still getting bet into. It's fine.
2: But here's the difference, and I think we should all acknowledge this. When they open and they're the only ones open, that nickel isn't treated like a nickel or even five dimes would be later in the week. They'll take that nickel and move a point, whereas a five dime bet from a really sharp guy on a Friday night might not move nothing.
1: But think about it, Maddie, where the line moves when bet online is still the only number in the world. Does it really matter? Cause soon enough, Chris slash is going to come in or pinnacle is going to come in and, uh, or uh, some of the sharper Vegas books like CG might come in. And then the line, you know, you'll see crit and as You watch this like a Hawk. I mean, bet online might be at four in a college game, and and Chris will open up at eight, and then Bet Online will immediately go to eight as well, well as yes. they should. But what I'm saying, so is... so then do you call the opener four? You so do. Bet
2: Online opens at four. Chris comes out at
1: ten, and they go to ten. The opener's four. It is. But you break an interesting point. Something I've thought of doing at the game center was creating a small universe of books, the couple sharpest in Vegas, the couple sharpest online, and having the sharp open saying, whenever the I don't care if this book's the first open or the seventh. This universe of five or six books having that opener, I think, is interesting. And the problem where you do get some
2: false openers is in that example. They open four. Chris comes out ten, and they go to ten. They will go to ten there. Let's all admit without taking a bet.
0: Well, you guys, so go, how could you guys move on? Here sure, too. everyone would.
2: So how could the opener ever be four if there was never a bet taken between four and ten, and everyone else opened ten? To
1: well, the question is: Was there any bets taking? taken a four but right. we don't know yeah. they're not going to give us that info but you but you just said two opposite things you just said one just now maybe they're not even taking you know maybe they didn't even get a bet at that number and then the other one is saying well when they do get a bet they overreact to it there's both so you don't <laughs> know which one's really
2: an opener at least if they took a bet you could say they took a bet at it
0: Fast, a little wise guy secret i might like a game plus two and a half right before the game kicks off on sunday I almost never, I hate to say never, but almost never will like a game plus two and a half on a Wednesday, RJ. And the reason being, it's so
1: important. This is like a hedge fund concept, to right? Get a so plus it's three. an asymmetric risk.
0: If there's a, if there's an, a 75% chance the line is going to go down, I'll still wait. And I can always take plus Cause two. Because think
1: about it. If, you're, if it stays the same, it's a wash. If the line goes up, you're gaining 20 cents or so. If the, from, from two and a half to three, if the line goes down, you're losing four cents, five cents. Exactly. So
0: I can be wrong most of the time and still be better off just waiting it out. And if it drops down to one half, I'll grab a stale two and I'll bet plus two,
1: you know, once a show, this is what I play because it's warranted. Only on the dream preview. You're getting something like that from Fez. Good stuff there. But it's a great point is when it comes, it's not like you can't lay two and a half or take two and a half come kickoff because there's no other line. It's not moving anywhere once the game kicks off, I guess in game, but it's a different thing is. But now you have so much more to gain to get three if you like the dog. And if you only get two, yeah, you'd rather have two and a half, but it's a modest difference. Asymmetric risk as the hedge fund guys call I it. I
0: like that asymmetric <laughs> risk. I'm writing that down
1: <laughs> and stealing it. Oh, no problem. Just try it's trademarked by someone else. Probably. All right. Next game. Good crossfire there. Good stuff. And then obviously pros versus Joe's. Any, any closing thought on this? Oh, we're pretty good on the jag. I mean, we're, we're not, but I mean, let's look at Fez's power ratings is it, with the Jags. You've got them right now. Wow. I think I got them equal. You've got them one point back. You, so you, there's only 11 teams in the league above the Jags. You got the Jags 12 and you've got them equal to the Rams. But that's a
0: little bit of rounding going on. I do feel the Rams are the slightly better team.
1: And and Jacksonville has one of the worst home fields in the league, right?
0: Yes. They've got, I think I've got them two points better than an average team. And I don't know
1: how. Well, many, no, not, it's not better than average team. Home field is too right, yeah.
0: right. But I don't know Have the Jags played more than one home true home game all year long. Cause they played the London game. So, maybe we got to relook at that if they actually have a winning team. They never had a winning team. I don't know how
1: good you they are. You mean the crowd enthusiast? Well, let's see it before we react. Yes. <laughs> All right. Next game, game number nine. This is the sharp money game. And there might be a mechanic on Twitter that disagrees, but this is coming. <laughs> this is coming straight from Matty Holt. And he's got, I mean, you should have seen, it. he shows up with uh, the data. The, da- the data is eyebrow raising that he brings to the table and the sharp money on this game or, or I'm sorry, the sharp money game is the dolphins and the Falcons. Matty, where's the sharp money all on Atlanta here, both over the
2: counter and especially on the sharp here where we're, I can't even put a percentage to it. It's 99% of the dollars wagered on account on the Atlanta Falcons right now. And it's been real money that caused this two and a half point line move. This isn't air. This isn't moving on information. Not fictitious. It's not fictitious. This is a two and a half point
1: line move based on real dollars wagered. Okay. So that jumped out at me. The line opened at nine up to 12 And usually you'll see some significant dog moves, but seeing such a favorite move up to double digits in the NFL. I mean, there's some real support here. It seems.
0: Yeah. And I lean to the Falcons. I agree with this move. It comes back. You've been saying this for months, RJ, the dolphin schedule where they've been all over the place. They've not played in the same venue for a game for two months. So they finally come home. They're really tired. I mean,
1: to the point that they're having to use you know, snort stuff to keep their energy level
0: up. Hey, <laughs> I, but I—that <laughs> was an enter- entertaining video. Uh, he's a baker. He is. That's that's what the white substance is. But they get the win largely because Matt Castle is completely ineffective for Tennessee. So they're kind of gifted a win at home in the heat and humidity. I can just see the coaching staff. Great job, guys. Game balls all around. Everyone take take off till Tuesday. We still got a, recovering from Irma. They're going to go to the Georgia Dome and quite likely get blasted.
1: So what was your joke about explain the joke again about the allon cut?
0: Well there's a white substance yeah. and so I think he might be a baker.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I said you <"Yeah>, ever. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but I think there's interesting analysis here. I actually thought, I mean, I don't know Matt Castle versus the greatest fatigue ever, I guess fatigue one. I mean, were we impressed by the dolphins last week? No. So even though, so this idea that, Hey, it's a week later, how long are you going to give the fatigue story? I mean, obviously it's less this week, but back on the road and in an environment where, like you said, if it was a little bit of celebration, but it leads into the idea of from celebration to distraction. So Maddie, how much distraction do you think this O line? Cause you got Colin Cowher talking about Gase being, you know, out, you know, out of his depth, you know, up there talking about this stuff. It feels like this is something, you know, the, if I'm an, you know, talking about me as a boss, if someone snort lines off the desk, three offices down, and I'm not, let's say I'm at another office, right? And whoever's running this office, I'm wondering why they didn't catch that, right? So there's got to be some heat internally.
2: And it wasn't just the snorting of lines. That video was disturbing on so many levels. Yeah, but yeah, everything listen, about it. If
1: every every guy that's ever had a fling with a stripper, I'm not, let's not cast stones, all right? <laughs> what's not, what's even more disturbing to me is not that Gase was
0: unaware or allowed this to happen, but he was aware that he was paying ten million dollars to Jay Cutler to come be the quarterback. He remember he was the mastermind behind this. Here comes a locker room possibly divided. But you're
1: the guy saying remember now you were like, okay, week one, Matt Moore might be a little better in Cutler by week three. going to be better, and by week eleven or twelve, Cutler could be better than Tannehill. I said he could be better. Yeah,
0: wow, come on. A lot of people said, "Oh, from day one, he's going to be an upgrade from Tannehill." But what I was, I'm saying I was is, you negative on Cutler. Did,
1: did, you were negative with compared, compared to signing? the media. The media like no, no, but that doesn't matter. Yeah. Is if you were the Dolphins, would you have signed Cutler? Not for ten million a year. No, yeah. I would have played Matt
0: Moore because I would have said he's going to be as good for the first five or six weeks. Now, as it turns out, Cutler isn't improving. RJ, he's regressing.
2: And on the other side of the ball, we have to say that there's a team that might have needed to buy. It was the Atlantic Falcons. Their best defensive player, Vic Beasley, was banged up. Julio Jones, who comes back this game, was banged up. Um, Courtney Upshaw, the linebacker, was banged up. They still don't get Muhammad Sanu back this week, but they pretty much get
1: everybody else back. Vic Beasley should be a boost on that defense. The So we're not impressed with the Dolphins. I think Atlanta's a team that's gotten lost in a way that by has kind of stopped the narrative about how well Atlanta's been playing. I hear Colin, and again, I I listen to Colin more than all the other radio shows combined. So I mean, he's my kind of touchstone to what the you know general media is saying. And I know the media doesn't speak with just one voice, but. Uh, you know, he's like almost dismissing and then the Falcons is like, see, everyone thought they were good, but hey, they could have got beat by the line. You know, you hear that rap faz you've got only Kansas City ranked above them. One, Kansas City, two tied for second, Atlanta and Green Bay. So it strikes me. We go to yards per play, right? One of our favorites. By the way, guys, last week I put out my private yards per play format on Twitter. I was looking at it and I was saying, you know, I think people might like this. Unbelievable response. Had over 600 likes, had a bunch of retweets, uh, over a hundred comments. So I've committed is as long as the feedback stays good, I'm going to be putting it out every week. It's already out right now at RJ in Vegas. Uh, I've got the offensive yards per play, the defensive, the net, we get the year over year to see if a team is drastically changing. And if so, is there a rationale for it? And now I've added turnovers and strength of schedule. And if you look at Atlanta, number two in offense, number six in defense, number one net. By the way, last year, they were 1.1 yards per play better net than, uh, well, I guess one plus 1.1 would be the way to say it this year they're plus 1.2 so now we've got you know counting the playoffs so i i don't the net yards from last year don't count the playoffs so let's say four game we got 20 games of data with a very similar team right last year's falcons versus this year and it's within a tenth of a point so i think we can feel pretty good a tenth of a yard about this number sure looks like the super bowl hangover lasted one game right
0: the game against chicago where they were struggling in offense That's how long they missed Shanahan. They're clicking on all cylinders. Um, Now, the question is, is Julio Jones going to be 100% snooze out? They did get both wide receivers hurt against Buffalo. And I'll say this, every single person would have them with the Chiefs at number one if Matt Ryan didn't throw a 50-yard incompletion that was returned for touchdown the first time in the history of the NFL.
1: What what was the first time in the history of the NFL?
0: Where a quarterback threw an incompletion and they allowed the defense to just
1: pick up the ball and run 50 yards for oh, a touchdown. Oh, so you're, you're complaining about the referees? Yes. Okay. Entertaining. All right. Now, <laughs> if only you just had a podcast that you're bitching about uh, referees and, and about metagame type, like, why didn't they call a timeout He's holding out the ball at
0: midfield <laughs> against Buffalo. His hand is hit. He's still gripping the ball. He thrusts the ball down the field with control and they give the Bills a touchdown.
1: <laughs> Fez won't stop. All right. <laughs> now, if you look at Atlanta's numbers, the reason I put turnovers and strength of schedule is it can be mitigating factors, right? Oh, this is why the record, is, you know. All right. Falcons minus four in turnovers. So if you're winning and your stats are good, you expect that to even out. So that's a, another sign of optimism. Strength of schedule, number six in the NFL. So the best numbers playing the sixth hardest schedule, mighty impressive for Atlanta. I don't lay double digits in the NFL, so I'm passing. Fez, you're the master of the derivatives. Anything, you know, is there any logic? If, if we think Miami might be tired, well, we want the second half, but we obviously don't want to play the second half with a big favor. Uh, any derivatives here you might be interested in?
0: Yeah, let's try to get lucky. We We don't have to bet every game. We can certainly pass. Yeah. Let's hope Atlanta underperforms in the first half. And they're only ahead by three or less. So we can go ahead and lay seven on Atlanta second half and get at minus two. All right. So get be, at that opener.
1: So in the right situation, look Atlanta second half, because the fatigue factor comes in. I like it. Like it. All right. Game number 10 is our double like game. Only one of them. So we lean or like, and both the boys, there's only one game that they like both of it or both of them like the same team. In the game, Houston Texans, Cleveland Browns, Fez, who do you like?
0: I like the Browns. Uh, all about quarterback here that the quarterback the public's looking at is Watson. He's playing great for Houston. So they want to bet on this team. Even though they lost their last game, he played very well, especially in garbage time. But the big upgrade this week is for Cleveland. They go ahead and bring Hogan in a huge upgrade over Kaiser, which makes Cleveland a much Now
1: let's talk about this a backup quarterback that doesn't have a name is coming in and we're upgrading. Now let's not go past that. Let's not pass that by without giving it its due time to explain, explain the rationale.
0: Kaiser was as Maddie's been saying in every podcast, not an NFL quarterback. He's not a starting quarterback. He's not a backup quarterback. He's simply not ready. And yet they threw him to the walls and kept putting him out there. We was throwing over two interceptions for every touchdown pass. A bad quarterback throws a one-to-one ratio. We all know what happens when you lose the turnover battle, you lose the game. So Hogan, just by being an ineffective backup quarterback, is
1: still a big upgrade. So on the Hogan quarterback situation, what do you think, Matt? And the other thing to mention is it starts to
2: affect the whole team when you're throwing that many interceptions every game and you're that ineffective and, and your teammates see that you're not ready to play in this league just having Hogan in there might stabilize the team and might actually rally the defense up a little bit. Oh, we're not starting on our own 30 every time, having to defend going in. Uh, And you should get some. And I think that Houston's a little bit overrated here. I know Deshaun Watson and their offense had a nice couple of games, but we saw the deflation last week on defense instantly when JJ Watt went out with the injury.
1: I don't, I don't know that this Houston defense is as good without JJ Watt. Well, obviously not right. Best. I mean, one of the best defensive players in the league got to mean something. And three
0: of their best four defenders are out now. It's a Brian Cushing goes out for performance enhancing drugs He got suspended before the season started. So they're down a middle linebacker. And this guy, Merciless, he's a linebacker, RJ. But he is as good a pass rusher as Clowney. That's their one remaining pass rusher. So they had the trio. They had J.J. Watt, Clowney, and Merciless. Those guys were monsters. You could not block those guys. That's why Houston's defense was so good. Two of the three are now gone. Merciless losing doesn't get the hype. He's more important than J.J.
1: Watt. Okay, we're going to get Maddie's handicap here. Obviously, it's a double like, so we know he's on the Browns. I will give one piece of information about Houston's defense. So I do a show on SB Nation. It's called the Pregame Line, in which uh, on Tuesday night at 9 o'clock Eastern, 6 o'clock Pacific, obviously, is we do one hour with Houston radio host Fred Fauer. Really good guy. Fred does some stuff. Sharp guy with Pregame.com also. And we just recap the game. So it's a, it's a look back instead of a look ahead, which makes it fun because, you know, obviously as the week progresses, we're all looking ahead. But we got to learn from the past. And he's a Houston guy. So he and he's in the media. He said, yeah, Watt is a great player. But in a way, him and Clowney should be playing very similar positions, if not the same. And with Watt in, they have to try to use Clowney for something else, and he's not near as effective. Again, this is getting X's and O's that I don't have a great understanding of, but he believes that, like we saw last year how good Clowney looked, that we're going to see the same Clowney now he's in the Watt position. doesn't really affect his game as much, and you always want, obviously, an extra good player, even if he's not playing as effectively somewhere else. But I think Watt's absence, if Clowney steps up the way Fred thinks, maybe isn't as tough as we might think. And I asked him. I said, what's the mood? Because you would think it's deflating. He said, it's net, net, very positive. He said, because they feel like they've got their quarterback the next 10 years and losing Watt for the season. And who knows? Because you hear this injury is pretty bad. It might be beyond it. Uh, Let's hope not. But is quarterbacks worth seven, a good quarterback? Watt's worth a half. You know, he used to be worth one, maybe, but. Half this year, you would say, I think we all agree, is, yeah, it sucks, and he's a nice play and and again, obviously he you know is a great man for what he's done with the uh the hurricane and all that and other things, but I think net net, if Houston's up, I don't want to lay nine and a half with him here. I don't disagree with you guys, but I think this idea that these defensive injuries is going to deflate them. Psychologically, I don't, uh, at least from Fred Fowler, I, I don't think it's true. And, and one of the
2: things I always try to do in this space, and, and I tend to do okay when I jump on Steve and, and your side of the counter and make some bets, I can usually hold my own. But one of the things that I always look at in a game, in a week where there's five double-digit spreads, not one, not two, because the Sharps like to avoid the double-digit spreads when it's the only one on the board, there's five of them. So you know you're going to get action both ways. We when I left the office today, we had ten dollars wagered on account on the Houston Texans on this game and tens of thousands of dollars wagered on the Cleveland Browns on account tends to be sharper bets and over the counter on the Cleveland Browns in this game. And a lot they weren't one fifty thousand dollar bet. It was several bets. That makes me think a lot of people are thinking the same way as Fez and I that Cleveland at double digits is probably the right side.
0: And we'd be remiss to not talk about how all we got to do to make money this time of the year is blindly bet on winless teams in the NFL and Cleveland certainly qualifies. They still have not won a game.
1: So, uh, th- you know, that's a great trend to follow. And here's the detail. So go back to 1989, take a team since that's 0 and 4 or worse, 0 and 5, 0 and 6, et cetera, Fifty-six and a half percent of the time you're covering. So we preach uh, 55 is how you, don't have a straight job and you live in a big house. Well, this is better. Now you might say, well, some trends get known. Some trends, Um, the logic of them dissipates as the league changes. You know, tra- most travel trends in the NFL, especially, are not valid. You agree with that, man? Yep. Because uh, or not as valid. Yeah, like, yeah. And I've seen some stuff like if you dig into back-to-back road games, is there's actually uh, a couple subgroups there that are huge, like. 1,200 games since 89 and they are like 54%. Like there's some real magical stuff in there because um, – but actually let me restate this. If you start, and again, this is somewhat arbitrary, oh, start in 2007 or whatever, but if you start right around 2006 or 7, and I'm going by memory here, some of the travel stuff where it's back-to-back road games becomes very positive because the market's still kind of downgrading, and we're already talking about the 49ers, and, and just with the way travel is today, it just doesn't affect these teams the way it used to. I mean, they're not riding on rickety old buses here. They're flying first class in, the, in some of the best airlines possible. Now, here's the difference, though. When it's the 0 and 4 and beyond trend, what's driving that that, that? that those teams are positive to bet on is public bias. Well, as betting has gotten bigger since, you know, the, in, over the decades, as there's shows like this and shows like our Fox show, you know, a national radio show, three hours a week on Fox. Oh, by the way, it's a good little time to talk about it. 11 to 12 Pacific on Friday night, we preview college football, we need an extra hour on Saturday, 10 to 12 Pacific previewing NFL and recapping college all right there at the same time is imagine a national radio show, you know, even 10 years ago, talking all gambling just wouldn't have happened. So with more batters, it means there's more recreational. The the pros are betting 10 years ago. They're betting now. It's the recreational batters that are the influx. And they're more susceptible to the biases. So to me, any trend that's about a public, like this fading, let's say a team that won by 40 or playing on a team that lost by 40, all those kind of let's not overreact trends. I think most of those have gotten better in recent years.
2: You agree? I, I do agree. And, and there's more betters than ever. I mean, we see it in all the stats from the American Gaming Association. We don't have to make this numbers up. The American Gaming Association and other legitimate, credible organization, organizations will tell you there's
1: more betters now than ever in the history of sports betting in the United States. Double like on the Browns. Well, guys, there's three games left and there's three of us. I mean, there's three best bets. First, though, I talked about it at the beginning and I'll make this quick. I mean, it's been a great show, and 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 Matty Holt. I would say he's the MVP. I mean, Fez is my, you know, Fez is my MVP of 2017, sixteen last couple years. I'd say for pregame, but we're giving Matty the MVP for the pod today. Great stuff. But we have gone long, so I'll make this one quick. We talked about it. We've doubled our audience in a couple of weeks. Of this show doubling now, CNN, if you can believe it, we want to thank podcast one. We want to thank Adam Carolla, who's given us a wonderful platform. But as we said, we want to thank you guys. Well, what I did a couple weeks ago is I said, we've been given a coupon to get Fez's or anyone's really premium NFL's best bets. He's given one best bet here, but you know, on Sundays you might have how many Fez best bets counting totals and such. Usually five to six. Yeah. So that stuff's all out there. Usually you're selling that 25, 29 bucks or so. And right now I've got my two
0: best bets, both sides in the NFL. You get two for the price of one, $25. Can't discount that. Can you RJ?
1: Oh yes, I can. Mr. Fezzik is. So what we did was a couple of weeks ago, we said, if you guys use more coupons than we did the week before, because what I saw between week one and two was the coupon usage went way up. Because right? the listenership was growing. I'm like, guys, let's keep this baby rolling. Every week that it rises, we're going to add another dollar to the coupon. So it went from 10 to 11 to 12. And now, 13. I've always had Triska though. though. <laughs> <laughs> is that when you eat too much turkey? Oh, wait, that's something else. All right. So right now, we're going to 13. But here's the amazing part this sounds crazy. Maddie Hole, you're a businessman. We had five times as many people use the coupon last week than the week before. So we've, you know, over that time, you know, we went up like 50% or whatever between just one week, but it went 500%. Now here's the catch 22. That's amazing. But now that's the bar you got to beat this week. So guys, if you don't care about the best bets or you don't bet enough, whatever, we love that you listen. And that's what matters to us. This is there if you want it. And if you want it and you can save 13 bucks, it means you're getting more than half on all of physics best bets. And by the way, that coupon NFL dream 13. So NFL is three letters dream spelled out the number one, the number three NFL dream 13, all caps, all caps, NFL dream 13. And guys, it's a challenge, but if you beat it again, we'll go to 14 next week. All right, guys, three games left. And what I love about our best bets is we've, we each bet our own games. Now, Fez, I bet a lot of your games, too. But when we give a best bet, you can know for sure that we're betting it ourselves. What are you doing? Why does the guy don't carry his money in a wallet? Hey, Why does this guy carry his money in a roll? And we're taking off the rubber band on the roll and betting these games ourselves. All right, first game. Who's going first here, me or you, Matty? Whoever, I'll take it go. Uh, I'm going to go Chicago
2: Bears. Very rarely do I take the Monday night team winner or loser again in fireback, but this is a situation here where the Baltimore Ravens I mean, after starting plus seven in weeks, one and two in turnovers and starting two and oh, they were a little bit overvalued. We talk about teams whose stats didn't match their record. It was Baltimore after two weeks. But after two more weeks, I don't know that there was a team that dropped as much in power ratings as the Baltimore Ravens getting absolutely smashed by both the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Pittsburgh Steelers at home. Suddenly they bounce back and beat an Oakland Raiders team without their starting quarterback last week. And we're all back on the Baltimore Ravens bandwagon. The injury list is still the largest in football on Baltimore. There's no teams that has more players lost from game one to now than the Baltimore Ravens, Chicago bears. Look, we talked about the Cleveland Browns having energy and life pumped into the entire team because they made a quarterback change from one that was unsuccessful to one they hope will provide a little more stability. And if nothing else, energy, Mitchell Trubinsky provided that on Monday night. The defense looked better. He was playing hard. He still made some young mistakes, but I like the work I saw on Monday night from, them. they get Danny Trevathan back from suspension this week. So that defense is only going to be better. These two teams are not a touchdown apart. I'm going to take the six and a half or seven with the Chicago bears.
1: All right. First off, you are I very good. Very good handicap. We're at six and a half right now. So, um, that's a consensus number. So we'll grade a six and a half. No problem. It's six and a half. A uh, couple questions. I thought your point of okay, Ravens started fast. Thought it was turnovers and such. You know, to their benefit. Last three games, they get embarrassed in London by the Jags. Now we might start reevaluating them, but a team of the Jets beat right. So all right, and then they get embarrassed. By the Steelers. And in fact, Steelers the only game where the Steelers scored 30 or more this year. Yeah. And and a Steelers team, there's big questions about for sure, right? Fez might be right or not, but there's big questions. And then the one win that, like you said, is against a, a backup quarterback. So I think your analysis there is right on. Let me ask about the Bears, though. So the new quarterback is an upgrade in your opinion right now. Yes. Mitchell? Yes, because he
2: can do more things because his feet are better, because he has a stronger arm. He actually can make more down the field throws and he can get out of We saw them moving him out of the pocket quite a bit last week. He is faster and bigger and stronger. Faz, do you agree with that?
1: Just with Trubisky?
0: I don't have enough data. I'm not sure. Obviously, it's one game. My concern is that his touchdown pass he threw really should have been intercepted. He seems too raw to me. I like the, the direction that the Bears are going with them. I think he will be better in a month. I don't think he's better yet, but Mike Glennon was pretty awful. So I think he's going to turn yeah, it over Yeah, so more. close.
1: Okay, so last question for me on this one, and then I want to get Fez's handicap on this same game, is I was betting the Bears like crazy end of last year. Their stats were amazing. I mean, if you look at Chicago, they were plus .4 last year on yards, net yards per play. That means there are, you know, that's a nine and seven or 10 and six team, right? Fez plus 0.4. So they obviously weren't this year. They're minus 0.2. So, but still saying an average team, but most people don't think Chicago is average, but here's, I heard this from someone. I can't remember who. And Baltimore is a minus 0.6 for all those people listening. Yeah. Baltimore's number 27 right now in the NFL in net yards per play. So
2: Um, And you're going to lay six and a half with the 27th ranked team in net yards per play.
1: No, I agree. I mean, it's, it's, it's troublesome for sure. And it's brand too, right? Harbaugh on the brand. but here's my question. Someone smart told me the bears are so weak at receiver. You can look at all these other stats and everything, but the lack of playmakers makes them a team. That's going to just always struggle to score. Have you reevaluated that or have you, do you have a different opinion today? Well, the good thing sometimes about bringing in a backup
2: quarterback is he's used to playing with the backup receiver. So when all your frontline receivers come down, these backups that were all backups in the preseason and, and into their first game, they're used to playing with the backup quarterback in the second string offense. So actual Trebinsky looked okay, right? I mean, they finally threw balls to Marcus Wheaton, who, who Glennon actually never completed a pass to all year long. The big free agent, you know, the big pickup they got from Pittsburgh. Uh, you know, and he got hammered on a play. Uh, Wheaton did. I don't know that he's going to be fine this week after getting lit up, but, uh, but I think he looked good. The receivers aren't that bad. You know, you get Kendall, Wright, Who's an experienced guy. He's got a little bit of speed. He has some drops problems, but you know, look, the
1: weapons aren't there. You're right. But, but the team looks like they have energy 95 or 85% of the tickets, 92% of the cash on the Ravens. So certainly the public's not looking at the bears, by the way, up a com. click game center, only place on the internet that you can get your cash splits on these games for free. Nowhere else on the internet. Check it out. When you compare tickets and cash, it can get mighty interesting because when the big bets are different than the tickets, it's a sign of where the pros are playing. Fez, what's your handicap on the game? I lean to Baltimore and maybe I'm being a lean Baltimore. So you think this line should be, if it's six and a half now, You at least got to think it's a half point to lean, right? If you thought the line should be six and a half, you would pass it. So you're saying that this line should be seven.
0: Correct. I make it four on a neutral and three for a home field for Baltimore. You know, Chicago back to the wide receivers. They had not had a pass of over 29 yards the entire season going into last night. And they got one on a fake punt.
1: So we're taping on Wednesday. So going in uh, two nights ago, but go ahead.
0: Right. So They just have no downfield passing at all, which is going to make it very difficult for Trubisky to succeed. And going back to home road dichotomy, and maybe I'm just overthinking this because of this year, the Bears have played three games against quality opponents at home. They played Pittsburgh. They beat them. They played Atlanta. They could have beaten them. They played Minnesota even. And they followed it up each time, completely falling on their face on yeah, the road. You know,
1: historically, though, rel- even last couple of years, relative to their home, they have one of the smaller home fields. So maybe something's changed. So
0: maybe I'm being fooled by, um, and this isn't that. Recency book, bias. By, not so much recently bias, but just the, I'm um, finding the pattern. Up, oh. down, up, down. Which book up, are you up, talking down,
1: about? Think big, think small. Is that correct? I think thinking fast and slow. Thinking
0: fast. I
1: obviously thought slow
0: (laughs) answering that. So I'm seeing. I think
1: that it's some variation. So I'm
0: seeing a heads, tail, heads, tail, heads, tail. I'm like, oh, it's heads time for the Bears to play a bad game. And I'm making a mistake probably.
1: And Pinnacle, the sports book, put out a list of books that weren't gambling books. It helps you think like a handicapper. And that book was on there. Uh, Maddie, what's your thoughts on last question in this game? Best Bad Bears for Maddie Holt, the bookmaker is the total's gone down, but is this bears correlated with the under? I know that's the you know, default is is dog and under, thirty nine and a half right now. I mean the Bears don't win don't cover in a shootout here, right? Now obviously you can score over you know, 40 or over and it not be a shootout. But do you see a correlation with the under? This would almost be a correlated
2: parlay for us almost because any, which means you would take it off the board. That's for parlays that were correlated. Yeah. Basically any parlay for us almost under that's 38 with a spread of seven or more is, is going to be pretty close to that. And this one's pretty close to thirty nine and a half. and So forgetting
1: and about us profiling the game and thinking, Oh, the bears are going to do well. If they can stop the Ravens because, you know, the Bears aren't going to score. You're saying just mathematically, this is a borderline correlated parlay. Yeah. And the points are such a premium. Any
2: total under 40 in the NFL, the underdog points almost become 1.25, their
1: normal value per point. So, Fez, let's talk about this. Two factors here, the mathematics of the spread in total and then the game handicap having a correlation speak on each.
0: Yeah, I love your correlation because with a seven point, probably get to seven, seven point spread and that low of a total, the, uh, like Maddie said, he doesn't even want to accept it. When a bookmaker says, I really don't want to take these, I'm going to flag it for correlation. That means that's exactly the sort of bet you should be looking to make.
1: You know, the old Warren Buffett line, right? Is he talks about when people are scared, get greedy. When people are greedy, get scared. I flip that when a bookmaker is scared, that's when I get greedy, right? And if they don't want these borderline, or at least they're not going to like take. I want when I make a bet, the bookmaker to cringe. (laughs) All right. Second best bet. Oh, speaking of my bets, I am going with, let's see here. Game. All right. So 12 and then we've got 11 Where's Oh, the 49ers. That's right. Is I'm going with the 49ers. Now, listen, there's a lot of talk about road, road, road for the 49ers. And the idea of, Oh, they played overtime. Now, what is it? Two in a row, right? So it's, it's two straight overtime losses on the road. And now you're playing on the road a third time. I'm going to go into the database. I'm guessing that's a rare occurrence if, if ever. Um, But I think this 49ers team is a young team. So I think that fatigue in general means a little bit less. Right. And I think they're having deeper rotations when you're not that good. Your first string's not that much better than your second string. Right? There's a replacement level player in the NFL that every team has. That's an interesting concept. When you're one of the worst teams, is maybe your whole team replacement level almost? And thus, if you're if you're you know your D line, let's say, is playing half as many plays because they're tired, is that much of a downgrade? I'm not. I don't think it is. But this is more about Shanahan. They have a plan. Whenever a team starts to get to the point of you know, there's been times with business and I won't give the details that it looked like we were doing things that were problematic as in like uh oh that's a bad sign for pregame like if all you saw was that action you would say oh that's a bad sign. I had the plan in my head. I was the one person who knew all the details and I knew that we're doing this for a very important reason that's going to pay off tenfold. So, you know, I'll give one good example is we dropped our ESPN show here in town, we had it for almost five years. And after March Madness, we dropped the show. Now, a lot of people might say, wait a minute, five years with a show, now you don't have it. You don't have any show. What's going on? You know, trending down. But we knew at the time that we were going to have our Fox show, or at least we were at a high 90s percent likelihood there. And there were alternatives to Fox that were in the wings if that didn't work out. And we were going to go national. So the idea of, lose the Vegas show and pick up 330 stations nationwide on Fox, Sirius 83, iHeartRadio app. That's a great one. So when I would hear people, you know, the whispers about oh that's a tr- bad trend line, I actually not only knew I was right, but I also loved that they were wrong. Like whenever you can have a competitor have misinformation, obviously that's a good thing. I think the 49ers are sitting around going, and Colin said this. He said he said, "You know, actually, it was Gottlieb who said this. Is uh, I enjoy Gottlieb, and I actually do his show every Thursday. Is he said that? Oh, look, we lost another game. Hmm, Boo hoo. We're gonna get the number one pick. Now, I'm not saying the 49ers are trying to do it because I don't believe in tanking the NFL, fans, But the fact of the matter is, I think the 49ers could take early. They want to win, but as long as they feel like they've got a plan." and the results of losing includes a really high draft choice, I don't think this team is down at all. And and let me ask the question. Do you think the 49ers' energy and focus is any less today than it was week one? No. And, and look, I've been bagging
2: on this team to Fez all year long that I thought because Fez has had them pretty highly ranked. Yeah. And I've been saying, Hey, they're, they're, they're bad. They're their worst team. They're the worst defense. And, and the one thing I want to give them credit for two weeks in a row, especially last week, they were down two touchdowns to the fourth in the fourth quarter to the Indianapolis Colts with zero wins on the season. Most teams with zero wins down two touchdowns in the fourth, go ahead and mail it in that game and get on to next week. San Fran rallied from two touchdowns down to get that game to overtime before losing it in overtime. That shows me this young team isn't quitting on their new coach. And that means something with point spreads.
0: Yeah. And this goes back to these winless teams we're betting on. Let's be a little bit selective. What's our basic strategy. We want to bet on a winless team. That's young. That had. Very modest preseason expectations. San Francisco was supposed to win what about uh, five and a half games, so they're not going to be down. They expected this; it's no big deal. Contrast that with the team we're about to talk about, say the New York Giants, that they expected to be in the playoffs. Maybe a totally different attitude.
1: And the, in a way, I'm bearing the lead here to wrap, which is that the O and four or worse trend that we've talked about is 56 and percent. So I've got to find a reason not to play. And, and maybe there's a small reason. Cause I, I was wa- wrong about Washington. I was down on Washington. You know, it was old Andy Dalton analogy losing. And I still think cousins is not going to have a good year, but it seems like the rest of that team is mighty good. I mean, fifth yards per play and the number one hardest schedule in the NFL so, I mean, Fred, I mean, you've got Washington right now 11th, right? So you had him entering the season. Wow, that's only a half point upgrade. So you're saying the way they're playing right now is pretty much in line with what you expected?
0: No, I had them as a minus team, and now they're, they're oh, going okay. into the oh, season. Oh, that's
1: how we had the, the typo there. Okay. Right. So I had there.
0: them as a below average team, and now they're a point and a half better than an average team. And I got to tell you, RJ, I'm worried I'm low on the Redskins. I thought they lost two 1,000-yard receivers. Well, they pick up the kid from Cleveland, and maybe it's just Kirk Cousins is way better than I thought. You you mentioned strength of schedule. Their average record of the teams they played here to date, 750 winning percentage. Not like 630, 750. So they're doing it in the stats against really good teams like that Kansas City Chiefs.
2: I think no team has improved as much as they took the blueprint of let's build this team from the line, both defensive and offensive, and you can make a strong case that no team did a better job of improving their offensive and defensive lines in the offseason
1: than the Washington Redskins. Yeah, and from what I hear, and again, I gotta go by guys like Mike Lombardi, but the O line coach for the skins is one of the best in the NFL. So and and, and those kind of coaches don't get a bunch of attention when you have an edge there. So I don't love betting against, this is not a bet against the skins, but I'm getting double digits. The skins would be happy to win this game by seven. They're going to be happy. 49ers are still playing hard. We got our 56 percent. zero and four worst trend going for us. So when you got something that clean, you go with it. And lastly, and, and, and I really messed up, not talking about this earlier. They've lost these games. But you look at the margin of, uh, of loss, the last four, it's like a combined 11 points in four in, in four games. Imagine that. They could be, if they would have scored judiciously, I guess it would be four wins. So 15 judicious points, perfectly judicious, the, 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 the 49ers would be four and one, right? So when you lose four games by 11 points, yeah, you're not going to win them all. But, man, oh, man, we talked about if X had happened, how different would this line be? Let's just say they had two wins of the four. You know, so the two and three, what's the line in this game? It's certainly certainly not double digits. Yeah.
0: They're the chargers of the Bay Area.
1: But you want to bet a team that plays close games when you're getting double digits. Best bet on the 49ers. All right. This This is always where we finish. If as in the cleanup position, the only two time super contest champion, right? So that's and he did it back to back, just just showing off a little bit. And this is a guy. How's your NFO season going so far? I know the answer. Sixty six percent year to date. Did have a losing Sunday, however, wanna disclose that. Well means you're probably gonna bounce back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what's funny, right? Is no matter what, there's a gambler will say, "Oh, they lost 11 in a row, they're due," right? And then the other one wants to ride the streak and Maddie sits in the middle collecting the Maddie the, <laughs> the, the Maddie. big. The big.
0: <laughs> and and you know, maybe some of the best evidence I'll say it in terms of me being a winning better, there's bets I try to make against CGT and they're like, "Oh, Fez, you can have a 1000 on that. Thank you. It's early in the week."
1: <laughs> All right. So obviously, you, if you've listened this far, you know how sharp he is. You've got a cute Coup- coupon code if you want to use and get his very best here comes his best bet but you can follow him on twitter and whenever he's got anything for free uh, his power ratings his line move predictions his monday recap all kind of great stuff all 100 free follow fez on twitter it's at fezzik sports f-e-z-z-i-k at fezzik sports best bet time
0: go to the Sunday night football Giants Broncos going to go under the 39 I'd bet that now before it drops even further I'm going to keep this handicap real simple here Denver they have an offense that's average their stats are a little bit below average I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt Simeon's improving I'm going to call them an average team their defense elite arguably the best defense in the NFL certainly one of the top defenses let's turn our over to the Giants the Giants defense average middle of the pack certainly uh, no disgrace they played Very well on defense year to date. It might regress a bit. However, the giants offense I'll make the case is easily the worst offense in the NFL. And here's where the odds makers have made a mistake. They've looked at their year to date data evaluating that offense. Well, the giants are terrible on the O line. They can't block anyone. Their running backs are awful. Eli is aging. Can't throw the fastball anymore. But the one thing they can do is zip that ball out on slants to their wide receivers and make big plays. We saw those wide receivers getting healthy, and they improved. Week one, the wide receivers were hurt. Three points against a bad Dallas defense. Week two, wide receivers still hurt. Ten points against a Detroit Lion defense that isn't any good. Then they started scoring the points. Well, guess what? Beckham's hurt. Not just Beckham. All four, their top four wide receivers are all out. That's the only thing the Giants can do is utilize their position of strength, wide receiver. Now they have the worst wide receivers in the league. They're trying to pick up guys from their practice squad. They are not going to be able to score against this Denver defense. They'll have to run more. And if there's one thing Denver can do on D elite rush defense, they only give up two and a half yards per carry. And the giants have to go ahead and run the ball half the time in this game because Eli will get killed if they don't.
1: That's professional level stuff. Maddie. One second is I was going to ask you a quick question on that. Well, why don't you go Maddie? Then it might inform my question Uh, to Fez's point
2: too. And the reason that we've seen so much action here on Denver is not only are their top four running backs, Odo Beckham, Jr. Sterling sharp receivers. Yeah. Yeah. Receivers, Brandon Marshall and Dwayne Harris all out, but their top two running backs, Paul Perkins and Orleans dark who they finally got going.
1: Also both hurt this week. And Cluster injuries, right? We talk about it all the time. If you go from first to second string, you might know the name of the first string, but that second string is not that much worse oftentimes. But when you go into the practice squad and beyond signing guys off the street, it's about not even knowing the offense. You can remember the Steelers had running back situations like that in the playoffs. I think it was a guy named Tate, if I'm remembering, uh, a running back. But I, maybe I got that wrong. His guy only had like 12 plays. I like came in the game. The number one back knew 12 plays. So when he was on the field, it was going to be one of these simple plays. Ah, you can't even put. I mean, you can't put a value on it, but it's huge. It seems like to me that one wide receiver factor. We always talk about. Oh, there's only a few people. You know, thir- three dozen in the league that are non quarterbacks that are worth a half point or more. I mean, how many points is this? Well, if all the receivers came back, you might say, well, Beckham's won and none of the other receivers are worth anything, so one. Well, no. I mean, is it three, four points? You add it all up with the cluster?
0: I, I think you're getting into a touchdown area because you've got guys that are worse than replacement level now that are having to play wide receiver. And also think about the mindset of the team. They're likely to lose this game by double digits. If the Giants two weeks ago trailed a Tampa Bay 10 to 30 and they had the ball fourth and 10 at midfield, Early in the fourth quarter, they're going for it. In this game, they're going to be down 3-23. to 23. If they have that same situation, they know they can't win this game. They're going to punt because they know they can't pick it up.
1: Any closing
2: thoughts on the game, eh? No, I, I do think, look, finally, the Giants did get a couple of, uh, of of guys going last week, including Orleans Dark Warriors hurt last week. I always like to bet against teams the first game without a bunch of cluster injuries. You know, after a while, maybe the replacement guys in the Giants so will learn the playbook, adapt to E-line, maybe the offense won't get up to the level it was two weeks ago, but maybe it gets back to at least not the worst in the NFL. That first game with six starters missing on offense at a uh, position players,
1: that's bad news for the Giants this week. I agree. So here's my last question. It's about execution. Why not get pure exposure to the Giants? And I know we don't want to give a team team uh, uh, scoring total because most people don't bet those. So you got on record your best bet on the under. But for the the more sophisticated players, do we look at the Giants team total under?
0: Yeah, I like the Giants team total under. And frankly, I probably should be betting the Broncos as well. But it's the hot stove, RJ. Having tried to win laying more than 10 points in the NFL, it's just so difficult. It's a bet. I but what making. I'm
1: saying is if you could get down, you bet so much, it's hard for you to get your max bet, you know, all you want to get down on things like team totals, Fez. But if you're a normal batter who can get down all they want on team total, you know, all that they... Uh, all they can eat, right, you can only eat so much, and everyone eats differently, is would you, if you could choose between under uh, in the game or under Giants, what
0: would you take? If I was betting on Saturday, I would choose under on the Giants, but the buffet's not open yet. There's no team totals up yet, and every 12 uh. hours, that 40 goes to 39 and a half, goes to 39. By the time the team totals get up, they're going to get priced like a
1: 38 total. All right, so you feel, but... You know, the catch-22 is efficient market theory says all known information is built into the line. You shouldn't be able to predict lines, but you have predicted like seven, 70% line moves for free up in the forums at pregame.com. When do you put out your line move prediction? On Tuesday, and I don't believe in the efficient market. I believe in the
0: semi-efficient market. And this one is already, for those of you who are going to ask because we talked about one
2: of these earlier, this one is already a correlated parlay. You cannot correlate the... New York Giants and under or the Denver Broncos and over in a parlay in this game, because it is directly correlated. You know, if you're going to lay 13 with Denver, they're probably in order to cover 13. The likelihood of them having to go over is too high. If you bet the Giants plus plus 13, the likelihood of the game staying under is also
1: too high. Now, some of you out there, maybe, maybe are not betting in Vegas. And if your guy does allow such parlays, well, can take advantage of that. All right, guys, what a show. I mean, excellent, excellent stuff. We'll be back next week. And remember, remember, we got the Dream Preview College Edition, which is two different guys with me, but very, very sharp, deep, deep college dives. Check that out. You can follow me on Twitter, at RJ in Vegas. Talk to you there.
0: Thanks for listening to R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. Catch the Wise Guy Roundtable each week. College football released on Wednesday. NFL on Thursday. Don't miss any winners. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Visit podcastone.com and download the Podcast One app. Have a question for R.J.? You can contact him directly on Twitter at R.J. in Vegas. Live the dream with us each week
2: hi there my name is Susie Schuster
0: and I'm rich Eisen
2: we're teaming up once again in the studio with our new podcast not just sports with Susie Schuster and Rich Eisen on podcast one sports
1: in case you're wondering what this show's about sometimes we're not just sports right. do you see what I'm saying and that
2: we actually like being in each other's we company do enough to work together I and think have so three kids
1: that's why we haven't spent enough time together that we're sitting here at podcast one so
0: we're sports casters and we're parents so we'll talk sports and maybe parental guidance will be
1: suggested every now and then.
2: I would hope so, because this is not an X-rated podcast. No, this that's correct. a family-friendly podcast.
1: It is exactly that. So we're just going to be hanging out, talking sports and other stuff.
2: And I will try to educate you on all things in the NFL, because, Thank of you. course, behind every great man is a greater woman. That's correct. Well, there you go. Join us every Wednesday exclusively on Podcast One. Subscribe today if you know is good for you on Apple Podcasts or at PodcastOne.com or download it on the new Podcast One app.
0: Have you heard Spike's Car Radio here on Podcast One? It's comedian, actor, and writer Spike Ferrison sitting on the porch in Malibu talking to his famous friends about cars.
2: My first guest is Jerry Seinfeld. He's right here.
0: He was all right.
2: Don't try to hug him. Or Chris Hardwick.
0: I could feel everything on the road. I mean, it was right. basically like it was like unprotected sex for driving. You could- <laughs> Jeremy Piven. I hold you know what? I think years.
2: you and Jerry are spiritually tied to cars. <laughs> and I respect it and I love it, but I don't quite get it yet, but I want to get it.
1: Other past guests include Jason Bateman, Russell Peters... And even Adam Carolla. i just Carolla. go with the queen. I mean, the king role has been filled, but the queen is open. you the queen of all media.
2: Get new episodes every Wednesday at podcastone.com, on the new Podcast One app, or at Apple Podcasts. And if you like Spike's show, check out our other car shows, like CarCast with Adam Carolla, Everyday Driver, or Shift and Steer, exclusively on Podcast One.